The following program is a proud member of the Palaver family of podcasts. Check out all the shows over at palaver.com. That's P-A-L-A-V-R.com. Can I eat this roast beef? Listening to the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with Big Willie and the Samurai, bringing class to trash since Welcome to the GGTMC. We are back. We are back in the morning. It is five o'clock in the morning. I think it's a pop song or something. Um, we have a guest with us this week, Mr. Jake McLarge Huge from uh, the podcast Without Honor and Humanity. Hello, guys. There he is. Hello. We are recording at an hour that's without honor and humanity. You heard, you heard uh, Large William there. So yes, it is uh, five o'clock in the morning, or roundabouts between five and five thirty. It's twenty-one degrees in the states. I don't know what that is in Celsius for your Canadian listeners. (laughs) It's uh, it's about minus five, I think. So uh, yeah, there we go. That's where we're that's where we're sitting. And uh, this week we are covering uh, two picks from Jake. Reason why he came on the show. We have uh, the unjust from two thousand ten. Which I didn't. That one snuck under the radar for me. I didn't even know anything about it. Yeah, same here. And I'm uh, to remember the year. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I wrote them down. I'm not used to this. Well, while I was waiting for Will, <laughs> while we were waiting for Will to get on, I was writing them down, buddy. I was oh, like, okay. I'm not going to go into that. I'm not going to do that this morning. I'll, I'll forget something else though. Don't worry. And uh, sympathy for the underdog, uh, Fukusaku film from 1971, which does have a little bit of a reputation. So. Excuse me, we are, uh, that's what we're covering. So, it's a program for Japan, and uh, that's about all I got. We always defer to the guests on what we've been watching. So, uh, let me just say before we get what we're watching, I've said it on the Facebook page and everything else. Guys, if you aren't a member of our Facebook group, you're really missing out, because I kind of started this thing that I didn't think would become a thing. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, it's kind of become this little thing where I go to the Facebook group every day waiting to see. But what it is is we we'll started this gold, silver, bronze thing. And, and I started this thing where I just kind of did a little video of my drive home. Cock. Or drive home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> and um, this all started as just, you know, just good humored fun and everything else. But now it's kind of become a beast of its own. And it's pretty great because we're getting to see a lot of our listeners who uh, we only – here you know we don't typically get to see everybody's face either i mean we see pictures and stuff but we don't get to see people and uh, you know a lot of our a lot of our listeners are overseas and stuff like that so it's really fascinating stuff for us or for me anyway oh for sure it is and uh so we you know if you're not a member you should be a member i, I notice every time i say this we get about five or six more so um hopefully we'll get some more because uh yeah i mean you got to get over there and see some of this stuff it's, it's a lot of fun uh, the videos and i have to say everybody's doing the videos thank you so much uh, yeah, and yeah, thanks to everyone who's just, I mean, our boards, I say our boards because essentially it is our boards now, as it were, but they've been so hot the past few weeks. Like, you know, if you, if you, if you do quite enjoy what we do, you know, it's not, 
you know, we're not pulling your dick or your labia, I guess, uh, to keep it sort of equal opportunity. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> we're not we're not doing that. I would. <laughs> uh, the boards really add an extension to our show, and and it really enriches sort of not to sound whatever self congratulatory the GGTMT experience because you know we got such a great community of people, um, you know that the, the 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 page is so lively, and I mean we got just so much always going on over there. So it's it's you know yeah like you said Sammy, it really it is worth everyone checking out. Yeah, it's been pretty wild. The you know the progression like it comes in waves. It was the verses within the crazy uh, old embarrassing pictures and then now the gold, silver, bronze. Yeah. I mean, my work production has taken a massive dive because of the Facebook group. It just keeps going and going and going. It's consistently entertaining. We had uh, internet problems at work last time I was there. It was last Friday. And uh, I was literally frustrated so badly that I was getting on employees because I couldn't get to the uh, Facebook group to uh, see the <laughs> latest videos. So... Oh, man. Should, be, <laughs> should be said our friend in London, Ontario, John Ross. Uh, circle takes the square when it comes to pictures. He's got an amazing mulleted arm wrestling picture. <laughs> he really does, man. I think I made the right call when I said he was like, uh, what, what's that What's that Canadian movie, man, what we talked about? Fubar. Oh, um, Fubar. Yeah, yeah. He looks like he's old school Fubar, man. Fubar meets, oh. um, meets the Twin Dragons. <laughs> yes. All right, so uh, as usual, we get into what we've been watching. We defer to the guest. Jake, what have you been watching? Okay. Um, unfortunately, I've been watching much this week. It's been a pretty madcap week. But um, uh, one of the recent movies I watched, I watched Super 8. Oh, nice. I watched that. I, I liked it. Uh-huh. Um, the two things that I'm going to gripe about is that fucking train crash was <laughs> off the charts. <laughs> like I don't know what was going on in that film. Like it just seemed to keep going and going and going. Oh yeah, that's, the train crash was a bit excessive. It, it was just bizarre. It seemed like somebody really let Abrams off his leash and he just went a little crazy. Yeah, it, it feels like one of those train crashes where it's like you know Abrams is like, I'm going to film a train crash. I've never done that before, so you know he's gonna he's gonna make sure he films the great train crash. Right. Yeah, I made mean, the plane explosion and loss look like you know when you have those little electric cars on the track that it just kind of goes off oh, yeah. that's what it looked like in compared to this thing I mean this thing was just balls out it was insane mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean it didn't really detract from anything but it was so not really incongruous but it really stood out you're just kind of like what yeah you know the train crash is coming because if you've seen the trailer but I will give Abrams this there's one shot in that train crash that I love and that's right before it happens the one kid can see that truck in the distance, mm. and he knows something's going to go down. And I like mm. that little precursor shot quite a bit. Mm. And the fact, of course, that that doctor's played by the same guy that was in Gremlins. Eh? Oh, oh, nice. You guys remember him being the doctor in Gremlins? He was the doctor that wanted to work on uh, Gizmo and stuff? Yeah. Good yeah, he was like the biology teacher or something like that. Yeah. He gave him like a Snickers nice or something. Yeah, he gave him a Snickers, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I always remember that as a kid. I was kind of weirded me out. Sounds like William's eating the Snickers right now. That's actually a Cinnabon bar. Ooh. Didn't have time for cereal, so it's a okay. Cinnabon bar. No Snickers, sadly. Mm. Probably a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the other thing I did, I, I wasn't that big a fan of the creature design. No. It was just, no. I, I kind of went off on a little mini rant on my podcast about it. Just, it, it seems like, like creature design has kind of gotten away from being, you know, 
I mean, I we simple. <laughs> yeah, we as film fans, we shouldn't really be expecting excellence every single time. I shouldn't be expecting something iconic every time. But mm-hmm. I mean, when they're jumbling like tentacles and crabs and <laughs> like a little bit of a well, not those kind of crabs, but uh, <laughs> like the Cloverfield monster, and then like a little bit of traditional like gray alienness to it. Yeah. I mean, it's just a jumbled mess. You don't know what the hell you're looking at, and you know, it's just. You know, kiss, keep it simple, stupid, that sort of thing. And oh, I, I don't know if it's the yeah. CG that's kind of let them off their leash. They don't have any sort of boundaries, and that's kind of fucking things up for everyone. But I don't know. I, I don't know what the deal is. You know, it's funny. It, it reminds me of um, well, Alex posted a picture of those little muscle figures. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. That's what creature design reminds me of now. It's like throw everything at it, and some of it sticks and some of it doesn't, you know. Yeah, but it is unnecessarily uh, complicated looking. Uh, the face yeah. is fine. I just the body mm. and the the anatomy and the way it works, not really ever explained. Also, you know, not to get in a review of Super Eight, but I don't know how. No, never mind. We don't need to talk about it. We'll get to talking about it, and we'll spend ten minutes on it. We shouldn't spend ten minutes on Super Eight this morning. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, gosh, what else did I watch? I watched um, this Korean movie called Villain and Widow. And it's a it's weird it's I've had a weird history with Korea and romantic comedies because yeah, most of us have. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever seen one. There's a few. But. Some of them are patently like insane. Yeah. In terms of their execution, like there was there was one that I watched called Romantic Island. It's your typical has a couple pop stars in it. Takes place in Hawaii. You know, just your typical romantic comedy stuff. But there's this one little side story about a guy took his family there for one last vacation because he has, like, terminal cancer. And he actually hires, like, a group of thugs there to murder him so his family can take the uh, insurance money and live off that. Hmm. And it's just this insane little side story that's really, really dark inside of this, you know, Hawaiian romantic comedy in this movie, it's basically it's just about a guy who moves into this uh, room that's being rented out so he can steal this you know, priceless valuable that she doesn't know is there. And, you know, they end up falling for each other, blah, blah, blah. But it deals with some heavy, heavy stuff, and it's played really dark. And it just deals with everything from, you know, like resenting your child, you know, as you grow older, kind of resenting how your life's gone along. It deals with bullying and suicide and old age and how society kind of neglects you. I mean, it, it was pretty dark stuff, but I thought it was amazing. Wow. It, it's a, it has the framework of a romantic comedy, but it doesn't always play out like that. Huh. It has the typical beats, like, you know, they don't like each other at first, then they get to like each other, then something kind of pulls them away, and then they get back together, you know, that kind of bullshit. But um, surprisingly really good. I was kind of shocked at that. And... Uh, that that's pretty much it. Um, later on today, I'm going to be watching Tyranno's Claw, which is a Korean uh, ripoff of Quest for Fire, sort of. What? Yeah, I know. Nice. <laughs> um, nice. The Holy Maniac is going to be joining me this week, and he suggested the movies. And nice, it's, nice. You know, it's all in caveman grunt. <laughs> and uh, it's got a little bit of the Land of the Lost feel to it. It's got like you know rubbery dinosaurs running around, giant rats. I have, I have uh, this impression that the oily maniac himself will be podcasting in grunts. Yeah. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Hopefully there's a nude Ray Dunn Chong in that one, too. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> one can only expect that sort of thing out of a mid-90s Korean yeah. Unfortunately, considering uh, his recent uh, repertoire and what he's been doing, you might just end up with a nude Tommy Chong in it. Yeah, sadly. Ooh. Yeah, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> that's and, it, eh? Uh, I, oh, you got one more? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I, I only watched about half of that, and it is, it's going to be pretty amazing. I don't know how the hell we're going to review it. No. But uh, the other movie that I haven't watched is Rape the 13th Hour, so that should be classy. <laughs> yeah, sounds sounds classy. Yeah. And it's only like an hour and ten minutes, so that means it's going to be... It's, it's, it's going to be dense, yeah. I guess I should say. So, uh, yeah, that's all I've been watching. All right. Large William, I know you've been watching a little bit. I've only watched one thing, so let me just go ahead and get mine out of the way. Um, I watched Tabloid, the uh, new uh, Errol Morse film documentary. You know, it's not as good as past Errol Morse, I'll say that. It is good. I don't know if uh, if you're rushing to get it in for your end of the year. I don't know if it's it would be a lesser uh, one to maybe attack. Uh, I'll say that to Will because I know he's trying to cram, and I'm trying. It to is cram. on my radar for sure. And I think you'd watch it. Rem- I reminded me because it was out at TIFF. I think last year mm-hmm. or maybe this year. I don't know. But I was like, man, I want to see this. It sounds fucking great. So yeah. it's just it's another one of Errol Morris. Errol Morris. What I like about Errol Morris so much is he has a fascination with people who are just that live in their own little worlds. And this are just bizarre, and it's just the story that this one tells is just it just begets it just progressively gets more and more bizarre, <laughs> and it's just it's just a really strange story. It's a good film. It's a good film. I'll say that. I don't know if it'll be in my top, you know, ten, thirty, twenty, whatever, but uh, it's definitely a good film. I would definitely uh, check it out and stuff. But this unbelievable story. Uh, this one of the you know. He just, I don't know, I don't know where he found, I think he, that's all he looks for, is people who are just live on the outside of uh, society, and those are the people that always fascinate me anyway, so. Uh, so that's all I watched, Large William. Okay, yeah, so I had a, you know, decent week, um, and really pushing hard to get as much as I can before uh, year end. Did I talk about watching the Night of the Creeps Blue on the air? Yes, you did. No, yes. yeah, yeah, you did, I think, yeah. Yeah, you did. That's right. Okay, and I said, oh, good, it looked so good. Yeah. Actually, my week was kind of quiet then. One, two, three, four, only four films then. Oh. More so than it was a bit of a short week. That cinnamon is kicking my ass right now, making me cough, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, it'll do that. I had a friend, from India. I had a friend from India I used to work with. He used to tell me that it made you impotent. Um, I got to tell him, oh, I've been here telling he's wrong. Yeah, I got to tell him he's wrong, too. <laughs> If I, matter of fact, if uh, I even smell cinnamon, uh, cinnamon, I get a hard on. So, yes, exactly. So that proves throws the theory right out the window, man. Um, so one, yeah, the four films I watched um, were the first one was Big Racket. It was a rewatch with some friends. <clears throat> we went over for wings and stuff on uh, Monday night, and uh, a couple of my friends hadn't seen. I haven't really seen much Euro crime, actually, if any. So I think it's a great gateway Euro crime film. It's, it's very well made. There's it's it's well shot. It's it's got enough action in it that if people enjoy you know Dirty Harry, the '70s cop stuff, it's it's definitely going to open the floodgates for them. So it, it went over really well. And you know I, I you know I do that thing where I'd look over at them as certain scenes were unfolding and, and see them kind of smiling. So I it was I was glad to see that it went over as well as it did. Um, my wife was trying to talk shit on the. Uh, the uh, Fabio Testi car stunt down the hill. I'm like, just stop. You don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> I said, you know, because I was telling her how it was a you know much lauded scene and Castellari's kind of kept it to himself how he did it. And she's like, oh, they did it this way. I'm like, no, they didn't. 
You know, I'm being <laughs> defensive with this fucking scene. Um, then I watched uh, Raging Bull on Blue. I hadn't seen it on Blue. I haven't seen it probably actually over about 10 years. And I'd heard how great the transfer looked. And, uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, it looks fantastic, you know. Um, it's a very, very good film. And, you know, and, and going back and watching some of Scorsese's stuff now... Um, that I haven't seen since I was probably 11, 12, 14, 15, it really becomes evident how much he is an influence on Tarantino. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think people, you know, as incredible as De Niro is in the film, I think sometimes Pesci gets lost in the shuffle, and he's fantastic in the film, too. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, know, so the so Facebook group, did, uh, 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 what do you, do, does this one meddle? Mm, I don't know if it does for I don't know if it does for me to be honest. It is very very good. Yeah. Okay. But, I think uh, uh, yeah. I don't know about the film itself. I mean, uh, I love I love Raging Bull, uh, but as time's gone on, it, it's 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 a little bit of a chore to get through because it's it's a very slow movie in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Two hours ten minutes. Yeah, it's a long movie and it's very slow to get through. It's inarguable that De Niro probably puts in Oof. the performance of his career, but. <laughs> It's pretty. It's so, it's it's so a, fucking good. I know when I did the when when the, somebody on the board did the gold, silver, bronze De Niro, I was like, well, you know, I mean, as much as I love De Niro and you know, so many other things, I mean, it's it's like you know, Raging Bull is just like you know, it's like his movie, really. So, but uh, yeah, you know, you, you, it's funny you bring it up about Tarantino. You know, and a lot of filmmakers like around Tarantino's age. I mean, you see a lot of influence. So Spike Lee too. You know, Spike Lee's very influenced by Martin Scorsese. So. Oh, totally. Oh, totally. And, and well, it's funny because when we're going to talk about Fukusaku, and I think Fukusaku is a big influence on uh, Tarantino as well, very clearly. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, he doesn't hide, he didn't, you know, uh, Tarantino doesn't hide the fact that he's influenced by these two filmmakers. But A Raging Bull is a very good film. I have to be honest, I do think it's a bit trumped up in people's minds, but that's mm-hmm. a personal thing. So, like you said, Sammy, I think it's a very, very, very good film, but, but not Scorsese's best, certainly. Yeah. Um, but very well shot though too it should be some of that, that black and white New York photography where they're capturing the 40s is just fucking beautiful mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> next time I watched a film that without question without question will be in my top 30 for the year uh, and that was the documentary Senna about the Brazilian Ooh. Formula 1 driver Ayrton Senna yeah Jake if you don't know let me let me just let me just throw this in there I like how we like to, me and Will like to play games with each other like a cat and mouse yeah yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. and he says without a doubt it'll be in his top 30 but uh-huh. I'm always worried because sometimes he'll say that shit and then it ends up in like his top two. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know I got to be coy, man. I got to be. Yeah. yeah. He likes to. He likes to play with me. Yeah. Keep you on your toes. <laughs> we we do this to each other every year. Yeah. That's no, true. Man. I love it. I love it's it. True. Well, because we, we I kind of I think we blew, we kind of blew our cover with yeah 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 it was good but you can't just leave it at that we got to at least show a little bit of our hand. Yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of victims, but no, yeah, it is a fucking fantastic documentary for mm-hmm, sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think even if you're not a race car fan, you'll enjoy it. Oh yeah, it's great stuff. Nice. Um, and then the last one I watched that wasn't for the show this week was Bullhead, which is a, uh, a Flemish, like a, a Belgian film, uh, and it's about sort of the growth hormone sort of farming mafia and the the nature of man and uh, a lot of stuff. It's it's you know, Belgium continues to really, really impress me film-wise. Uh, last year, I had three of my top 30 from Belgium. Belgium's not a big country. Mm-hmm. And I got a few more Belgian films I got to see before the year end. So um, I don't want to say too much because I think it'll probably end up getting in there for me too. Yeah, it, it'll definitely get in there, at least at the back end, if not a little higher. Uh, mm-hmm. Very good film. And I was even more impressed because it was a debut uh, 
by this filmmaker, and it really doesn't misstep too much. So, uh, Bullhead, I think I can't remember what the the the, uh, the, the, uh, the Belgian title. I think it's like Runskrop or something. Yeah, it's Runskop. Runskop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the guy, uh, you know what? Yeah, I'll say it in case we do end up talking about it on, on my end or, or your end, because I do want you to see it, because there are some titles that, you know, I feel like it wouldn't be fair if I didn't inform you to kind of check out to see if they weigh in for you. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just looking at our Facebook group, and I saw that Run Run Shaw is uh, retiring. He's only 104. Shame. <laughs> Yeah, like I think it was Jake. He goes lazy. Yeah, no, it was a uh, Doug Doug Tilly, but uh, yeah. Oh, Doug Tilly. That's right. That's right. Like lazy. <laughs> Jesus. Early retirement. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah come on. Jeez. So you got so much more to give. Yeah. Well, do you guys have that thing Freedom Fifty Five there? Uh, no, we don't know. I don't. Uh, no. <laughs> One of the tricks about America is we don't have a lot of freedom at all. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And no, it's uh, it's a thing for our. Well, again, you don't have RRSPs, which is Registered Retirement Savings Funds, mm. where you you basically. I think it's for you guys. It's your um your uh, what are they called? Four hundred one k. 401k, that's right. Um, but there's one called Freedom 55. Maybe it's mutual funds. Anyway, um, but what it is is just to, to promote retiring at 55. And it's like fucking run runs 50 years past that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, run run. 55 sounds like a Sammy Hagar remix. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Amazing. Yeah. It does. All right. Uh, so that is everything we watched. Uh, <laughs> all right. We will take a break and come back. Which one you guys want to review first here? Jakey, uh, let's do. Um, I, I got more, uh, sympathy for the underdog. Okay, the first noise sounded like a hot leg. <laughs> okay, so we'll be back with our review of uh, sympathy for the underdog. We'll be back right after this. Did you know that Asian people prefer being called Orientals? Did you know that Ching Chong Ting Tong is a respectful salutation in all Asian cultures? Did you know that paper cuts can cause massive arterial sprays in Orientals? No? Well, then you should listen to Podcast Without Honor and Humanity, the Internet's fourth best Asian film podcast. Every week, your host, Jake McLarchuge, will cover two Asian films that can range from the obscure to the notorious, from a Sunny Chiba werewolf film to a splattergore atrocity, from Category 3 to the Korean New Wave and beyond. Tune in at the website, podcastwithouthonorandhumanity.libsyn.com. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. Or you can just search Podcast Without Honor and Humanity in iTunes. So give Podcast Without Honor and Humanity a shot and get cultured. Flawless victory. People! The time has now come. We people who are darker and blue, are we gonna stand around this town and let what others say come true? We're just good for nothing. They all figure. Everybody, welcome back. We are back. I'm gonna say back a thousand times today. Jeez. Here Man, yeah. One of those mornings already. Uh, okay, so our first review is uh, Sympathy for the Underdog, also known as Gamblers in Okinawa. Uh, the reason why I say that is because on the uh, IMDb page, it's known as Gamblers in Okinawa, so I figured I'd go ahead and get that up there. Also, bu- let me see if I can do this. Bagutu Kaijin Butai? I don't know. That's <laughs> good enough. Yeah, you say it quick. It's, uh, yeah. 
I can say it like uh, Mofune. Mofune. <laughs> 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 I can picture his fucking scowl when you say that. <laughs> so, okay, so um, this is from 1971, directed by one Kinji Fukusaku. Now, we'll talk more about Kinji here in a little bit, but uh, mostly, I think most people are familiar with his work. So They have to be, and if they're not, they need to get acquainted because he's one mm-hmm. of the greats. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, But even if they do know him, they might know him more for... Like his last film, as opposed to you know some of his other work, which the is last two films, yeah, yeah. We, yeah well, yeah, oh. <laughs> last one and a half films, I guess we should yes. say, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, I'm getting sidetracked like a sung a bitch. Here we go. Uh, uh, 1971, a yakuza gang gets driven out of Yokohama by a big gang from Tokyo. They relocate to Okinawa to violently start over. <laughs> That's my favorite part of the whole synopsis. It's not only did they move to Mokinoa to start over, but they did it violently. <laughs> All right, so uh, this is one of Jake's uh, picks for the program for Japan. Jake, I'm going to defer to you and let you take the lead on this film. Okay. Um, this movie, it came, it, it wasn't a very, very early part of his career, but it was kind of a transitional movie for him. Yes. It was, prior to that, it was all, they're called chivalrous Yakuza films. They're mainly, you know, just you know, rogues, you know, not, not really hookers with a heart of gold, but, you know, they were kind of lionized figures for the most part. They, the uh, These men were to be uh, admired for their loyalty. Nobility and, and so forth. Yeah, their, their devotion to duty and stuff like that. And this one doesn't, this one's kind of like getting ready to leave that, you know. Sorry, I just wanted to interject. You're right, and I think it's also like the transition from American Western to Spaghetti Western. You know, mm-hmm. even though this was within one country, but the mm-hmm. the sentiment that was displayed in this film, because this just precedes the uh, battles, uh, Quintilogy, um, something like that. <laughs> yeah, so you know, this certainly started informing some of the other stuff he did after this. That's really influential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say about like this one's the exit from chivalry, and then. Uh, Street Mobster, that was kind of the beginning of it and then when he got into the Battles movies that's when he really got let off his leash and he just went insane yeah. just changed the game Oh yeah. so this is a pretty, not an important movie, at least in my, well I mean I think it is, but in the grand scheme of things it isn't uh, Pantheon level in terms of its reputation but uh, very interesting movie and you know, it's st- speaking of the western, I mean it's got a very very strong western influence to the movie I mean just the opening when uh, Gunji is uh, getting out of jail, it's got like the wind blowing, the dust. You know, they don't have, you know, uh, uh, God, I can't even think of the little balls of something. Tumbleweeds. Tumbleweeds. Yeah, tumbleweeds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, they didn't have any tumbleweeds over in Japan, but, you know, it, it definitely gave you that sort of vibe. And Maybe, I, right, I'd maybe rice the, cakes uh, floating around or something. What's up? Maybe like rice balls. Uh, well, if this, if this was if this was silver and gold, it'd be different balls rolling around. Now. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, I, I I was watching the extras on the DVD, and um, you know, it's obviously the uh, Wild Bunch is a very strong influence. But apparently, uh, another major influence is uh, Battle of Algiers. Nice. Yeah, apparently he had seen the movie and he was really inspired by that. I don't, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. Me how. neither. Strong influences on the movie. I have seen it, and I can see some influences in there. Was uh, what year did Wild Bunch come out? Did it come out the same year as this? Seventy one, seventy two, uh, sixty nine, sixty nine, sixty nine. Yeah, I want to say sixty nine. Uh, yeah, sixty nine. Yeah. I think. I think you're right. I think you're right. 
right before the 70s started. Yeah, so, in, you know, we'll probably get back to uh, how strong an influence Wild Bunch is on the film a little later on. Um, one of the gang members is called a Shark, and he's described as a weepy lush, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is just a great description for uh, a nasty Yakuza. <laughs> sounds, sounds like Vishnu and Horror Hound. <laughs> he's a violent lush. Yeah, obviously, uh, evidently. <laughs> He's more like fucking uh, Ogami Ito in this, man. Just a violent motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, another, like, uh, callback to the difference between this and a lot of the, the chivalrous movies, because a lot of those movies, they're about, you know, most of them are the main character. He's getting out of prison. He's coming back to a world that's kind of passed him by, and he doesn't know how to fit in. And, you know, he's trying to... Uh, balance the two things but this character he doesn't really try to find his place in the world he just says fuck it and bails to Okinawa with a bunch of his dudes yeah mm-hmm. and that's a strong you know wild bunch feel to it you know just kind of being pushed out by encroaching you know modern society something that you can't adapt to mm-hmm. yeah you're you're right and I think another thing it does is it starts to talk about the legitimization of um of illicit business into the licit business world, meaning you know, Yakuza money becoming legitimate and how it's so ingrained in society that, you know, corporations and everything else and and the time he's gone in inside prison, uh, things have really changed for him. So you're right. It, again, that is definitely a, a wild bunch thing that they've been pushed to the fringes uh, because of a an old notion of what is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the main characters in the movie, he played the the former rival to the main character. Uh, his name's uh, Noboru Ando, and he's he's a pretty cool guy because he's a <clears throat> real life. Uh, he he was formerly in the Yakuza. Oh wow! And uh, he he went to jail for like five, ten years or something for ordering a hit on a businessman. <laughs> <laughs> he he got out of prison and decided to become a an actor. So that's that for you. So I mean, if I I mean his sort of presence in the film, it's 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 more natural than anything else because he's kind of a a pretty intense dude in the movie. He didn't really, you know, kind of lash out. He didn't scream a whole lot. He was just a stern, scary-looking guy. Hmm. Uh, I love the. uh, There's a part where our our main character he's trying to. like he breaks into uh, this house and tries to kill a bunch of guys, and he's treating the pistol like it's like a like a sword, almost like he's fencing. Like he's just kind of jabbing his pistol out every time he shoots. Yeah. I love that convention. <laughs> yeah, and uh, his gang. I love that it, it, it consists of like a, a smut peddler, a shitty cook, and a, a gambling addict. <laughs> that that's a great introduction to the characters because you know this. If if you're familiar with Fukusaku's work. There are certain flourishes uh, and things in this that you know you see in a lot of his films, uh, i.e., some of the black humor, a lot of the the the, the freeze frame sort of still photography that's used, the voiceover stuff. But I love that introduction to his gang because, like you said, it's not like you know one's arm wrestling in a viper pit and you know one's doing this. It's like you said, one's a shitty side order cook, one's one's in a pachinko parlor with his kid on, strapped to his back. Yeah, like it's clearly a, a group of guys that have kind of fallen by the wayside, and it's it is really uh, you know it, it really almost like a postmodern look at at, at the Yakuza. It's, it's he clearly it's another example of him stripping away the romanticism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Uh, yeah, there, 
Gunji, he he always wears shades throughout the entire movie. Always, it's pretty much his his go to thing. And uh, there's a great moment where he he says uh, uh, about the the uh, former rival that they're kind of uh, taking care of. He he says, uh, "Looks like he hitched a ride to Okinawa," and it, it immediately gave me like a Caruso flashback. <laughs> I could have sworn he was just going to take him off and say, looks like he hitched a ride to Okinawa. At least that's what I was hoping. He looks Uh, great. He looks great in the shades, it should be said. I mean, I love when... Anthony Wong style, man. Yeah, I love in cinema when a character wears something in particular that immediately makes him stand out from everybody else in like a group full of men, you know? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, what you end up doing psychologically, uh, you end up doing is you always look for him first. Yeah, like every scene that comes on, you see his group. You're always looking for him. You're like, "Where's Where's Where's Gunji at? Where's Where's he at?" You know, you're looking for him because he's Joe Cool in this too, right? You know, I mean, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I now understand why. When I first saw it, they they were talking about how it influenced uh, Katano on Sonatine, but I I couldn't oh, see huge. it at first. But then oh, after yeah. I started watching, I was like, "Oh yeah, I know how." Because I mean, Sonatine, you know, he's really laid back, whereas all of his guys are some of them are a little, you know, hyper. Some of them are a little wild. I like. I think- uh, I like that one character in his group. What was his name? Gunshot. I think he. I think he. Oh, the the tubby guy. Yeah, yeah. I think he. I think he actually got gunshot. I believe. <laughs> well, he did. That was a confusing scene at first because we were like gunshot. I'm like, no shit, a lot of gunshots. And I'm like, oh no, they're talking about the character gunshot. Yeah. <laughs> gunshot. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's plural, guys. But, <laughs> but he really stands um, out, and he wear he he wears that overcoat without putting his arms in the sleeves, which is you know that's that's a sign of a true gangster oh, yeah. right there, bro. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's it, it, you know you can all, you also can sense um, in seeing this because I'd seen this once before and I dug it. Uh, you can also see very much a, a Johnny Toe exiled feel, which oh, yeah. mm. you know is in in turn informed by also westerns. But right. but you really like uh, Gunji really feels like the the Anthony Wong character in Exile. Yeah, he really does. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get uh, your typical like Hong Kong. Uh, Guilo, evil Guilo, and, uh, <laughs> Carter, and he—he's his introduction's hysterical because we're just interested in him just screaming his head off with his poor like translator crony next to him. Ugh, I couldn't and figure he's just like spouting random. Yeah, I couldn't <laughs> figure out if that guy was from America or from freaking Belgium or somewhere else, oh, man. Right. His accent, I know. <laughs> yeah, that striped suit on, <laughs> and it was great because he—he he wasn't that. And oddly enough, he wasn't that bad. It was his translator, because whenever he would translate something, there was no way he understood that. <laughs> but he would react like someone like kicked his dog or something. He was <laughs> losing his mind in that scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, it leads into the, the pool hall scene, which is pretty much the first big kind of set piece moment in the movie. And it's just, it, it's really, really well done it's mm-hmm. got a real leone feel to it especially mm-hmm. with that plane getting ready to go over by oh yeah and and also you know another thing that to, to, to touch on westerns there's a few moments of shooting in here that are very Django-esque oh yeah mm-hmm. like I think there's a scene in Gunji like you just boom 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 just like ten guys in like you know with a six shooter somehow no, I, it, I, I don't yeah. know. is it Gunji or is it his one his uh, like his closest he has a uh, he has one guy that hangs out with him that's like a sharp shot. Yeah. He, okay. Yeah. Maybe it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was the former Yakuza guy. It was in that um, there's like a you know uh, a, a meeting between a couple of the the gang leaders and someone makes the wrong move and 
He uh, he does a little six shooter. Bang 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 bang. Yeah, six shooter times twelve. He uh, yes. <laughs> uh, there is a scene though. Also, well, I think you're confused because I don't think why I say this because there is a scene also where Gunji does the same thing essentially. Uh-huh. But there's a lot of scenes where guys run into groups of men and just start firing guns. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just insane, you know. Yeah, there wasn't much in the way of shootout choreography back then. No. no, but it's still very exciting. Yeah, very well shot. Well, but see, that's what I kind of like about it. It's almost like it's almost like martial arts with guns. Because mm-hmm. I mean, it's just real. It's real frenetic. Whereas yes. you know, don't get me wrong, the spaghetti western stuff I love because it's hyper stylized, right? You know, it's like it's like gun, slow and poetic. Yeah, it's gun porn essentially. You know, mm-hmm. like Dirty Harry or something like that. I mean, it's all about the sound of the gun and the penetration of the bullet and all this kind of things. But but in these films, it's much more like you know. You know, like you know, like a, I don't know, a quickie in the alley with a prostitute. <laughs> I like where that went. Yeah, <laughs> I used to like where that went. <laughs> Until you saw where that cream had to go. Ooh. Ooh. Where that cream went. Ooh. <laughs> where that cream came from. Yes. Oh. Mm. oh. <laughs> Having waffles this morning. Ooh. <laughs> Okay, let's. Hollandaise sauce. Sorry, <laughs> I got. I got to compose myself. Okay, um, let's see here. Oh yeah, uh, we got a character in this movie called a uh, Mad Dog Jiro, and he he looks he kind of looks like, but he also really acted like a uh, Robert Loja from Scarface. Thief <laughs> <laughs> is a really like spazzy, crazy dude. I think it's yeah. the I think it's the uh, kind of the hyper orange shirt. Yeah. Yeah, that really kind of brings the loja out. His brother, by the way, the one armed oh. guy, fucking amazing. You know who that is, Sammy? I, I'm, I, I can't. I, I don't know off the oh, top of my head, but I do uh, know. I know. I know the face. Does Tommy Saburo Wakayama sound familiar? Tommy Saburo Wakayama. Or, or, or the, Waki, me, me, the Wakayama me, name sounds very familiar. Let me say <laughs> to you how he would address his son. Oh yeah! Wow, he he aged incredibly. <laughs> Well, that, well, that, and, and the fact that Lone Wolf is wearing tweed with short hair instead of uh, his is more uh, uh, feudal Japan or whatever era of Japan where that was. Right. Okay. Yeah, I can see it now. It didn't. It didn't strike me at first. But it's the big scar on the face, the hunched over look, the one arm. You know, he did a good job of changing his look. Yeah, definitely. I really love yeah, him. I really love him in this film. I mean, he's oh, yeah. he's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a great character. You could tell that uh, his brother, um, back to Mad Dog, he, he he must have seen Bullet just a couple weeks before the movie because he was rocking that holster the entire time. Yeah. You know, it's very, very illegal to have a gun hanging out. <laughs> well, it's, it was illegal in the movie for, um, I'll just call him Ogami, for, 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 yeah. for, like, for, for him to have uh, his supposed one arm that was was lost hanging out because there's that one scene when he's got that green army fatigue on <laughs> where where it opens up just enough that you can see that his other arm like taped down and you see him quickly close it and they forgot to edit that second of film out but, like whoops yeah uh, I, I really like it's an interesting movie in terms of uh, Fukasaku's progression of style because he hasn't quite gone to the you know he, he hadn't really gone insane with the handheld stuff yet, so it still kind of has a sort of classy feel to it. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll break it out when he needs to, but it's a it's a little it's a more restrained movie, but it kind of fits the tone for the most part. And there's a great moment. There's a second shootout uh, when the bad guys get a lot of uh, heavy machinery or heavy machine guns, and uh, 
I don't know how they got shafts of light in the middle of the night, but it, I don't know. It, <laughs> it made it look really, really nice. Some really strong shadows, a bunch of flying debris. It was a pretty cool little moment. Yeah, it's it's one of those moments where it's like you know we can ask that question and joke about it, but obviously it's a cinematic moment, so yeah, it works. Yeah, yeah. You know, it just works best. I really like the freeze frames in this. Oh yeah, I like oh, how yeah. he'll go to freeze frame, or I like how he comes out of freeze frame into live action. I really like that touch. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like Scorsese may have seen some of this stuff. <laughs> oh, for sure, oh, man. For he, I know he, he he definitely had to. Admit. Well, I, I know Billy Friedkin's a huge Fujisaku fan. Yeah, yeah. Friedkin, I can see. Scorsese, though, he never really talks about Japanese cinema as much. He'll talk about Kurosawa, you know, because that whole group from the seventies. They're all in, they're all, a lot of those guys are were really into Japanese cinema, right? But. They were also into French cinema. Like Scorsese will talk a lot about French cinema, but he won't talk a whole lot about Japanese cinema. I don't know if he just doesn't, you know, really know as much as that. But I feel like he's seen this. He had seen oh, yeah. this. He has to have seen it. Yeah. And I mean, Fukusaga, he didn't invent, you know, the, the little freeze frame, but the way he employed it, right. I mean, I can't recall right. anything prior to him using it the way that he did. Yeah. I'm sure there's really, really great. I'm sure there's somebody out there that could probably tell us that you know where it came from yeah. and everything. But uh, yeah, it doesn't matter who invents it as long it's how you use mm-hmm. it, right? So, oh, that's just it exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Um, there, there's a great, you know, the movie's kind of conflicted in in terms of how they want to portray. Like, um, the, not really conflicted, but there are too many times in the movie where someone says, "Man, those guys got guts." Yeah, <laughs> those guys are intense. I mean, we know that. I mean, we're watching the movie, yeah. you know, and that also gets them out of trouble a couple times, which is a silly convention. That's not really new, but um, you know, just there, there's a moment where uh, the the younger guy in the gang. There's a part where his his hand's stuck on the the um, gear shift of a jeep, and you know, he's just not letting go. And I mean, just little moments like that that tells you all you need to know about their persistence and their uh, intensity mm-hmm. you know how they can't let go you know just you know it's just depend on moments like that mm-hmm. yeah and I like to how you said this people would often say yeah they got guts and I also like the the, the the variation that was you know you guys got guts I like that yeah, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's one moment bit of- there's one moment that's crazy though I mean because I thought you know they're clearly outnumbered Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they get, but they had guts. Man. Yeah, but they had guts. Yeah, guts. So, but everybody walked away. It's like, damn. It's like, it's like uh, what's his name? The, uh, oh, the Midnight, no, the, the Midnight Thud, was it? The Midnight Thud? I don't, I don't know. Are we, are from, we from Penitentiary, man. Oh, guts. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot all about that, dude. Guts, guts, guts. guts. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Midnight Thud, back in full effect, yo. <laughs> I need to revisit that again. Yeah, I think they got like a, a arrow. Either they have, or they're getting ready to release like a little, not like a little aerodrome of a penitentiary. Mm, nice, nice. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. Anyways, um, so yeah, the, the uh, normally I'm not a big fan of the, you know, the not really the love interest, but the the female side stories in a lot of these movies because most of the time these directors don't know what the hell to do with them. Yeah, the, these, the cinema is very machismo, right? So the females yeah. are, are basically like, uh, well, they're like the other holster. <laughs> Something <laughs> right. to stick the other gun in. Right. <laughs> I mean, not to, sound, not, not to sound crass, but if you think about it, that's the way they kind of treat them in these films. Yeah. No, yeah. It's always, you know, really kind of uncomfortable to watch most of the time because it always borders on rape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It really so does. This one, you know, it's a little, you know, 
it's a lot restrained because it isn't that big a thing. It's really just, you know, he, he sees a girl in Okinawa that really reminds him of the woman that kind of left him when he went to prison. And he's attracted to her, but he can't do, you know, anything with her. It's, you know, it mirrors his relationship to, you know, society and everything. You know, it's very, very similar. It looks similar, but he knows it's not the same. So he just can't, he can't get to that point. Like, there, there's a reason why early in the movie he said everything was going great until that moment. And then we, we cut to, you know, him seeing the girl in the brothel. And obviously, you know, she has no effect on what happens at the end of the movie, but it really tells you, you know, that's because of her, he kind of realizes that, you know, there's nothing left for him. Right, right. You know, it's passed him by. I do think that uh, Fukusaku does a very good job of fleshing her out with with reasonably sort of shorthand stuff, but it still does a pretty good job of making her character feel important. And and there's a few poignant lines from her where it's not just an afterthought. Anything that's you know, sort of the mark of, of a great filmmaker is to have that economy, but to still convey completely what it needed to without it just seeming like, like you said, kind of a lost you know boys club director trying to flesh out a female. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh one one little another little side thing that I thought was funny is that nobody locks their doors in this movie because uh, uh, Lone Wolf like he constantly just busts into every room. Yes, <laughs> you, know, you know mob bosses. He just busts in there. He doesn't do anything. You know he could have, but he just busts in there, says some shit, and then runs off. Yes. Um, but yeah, that, that's pretty much most of it. You know the the build up to the end. You know pretty much just spot on wild bunch. You know, just without the the orgy and the giant tub of wine, that was the only thing missing. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you, you, I like because the you know the movies got you when you know in the middle of a gunfight when somebody busts out their knives, you know, shit just got real. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, those are my notes. All right, largely. Okay, good, gladly. Uh, so like Porky Pig there, g- 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 or maybe more like Popeye. G- 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 g. Uh, caffeine's kicking in clearly. Um, first Fukusaku on the show for us. Thank you, Jake. It's long, long, long overdue, man. Like, oh, yeah. You know, he's got a lot of stuff I still haven't seen, but I've seen it, you know, certainly more than my share of Fukusaku to proclaim him one of my favorite filmmakers and, and you know, certainly a legendary filmmaker. So um, I don't know if we mentioned when we said one and a half films, what those one and a half films were. And that's, of course, Battle Royale and Battle Royale 2. Right. Uh, very late in his career um, to make such an incredible film. So, anyway, yeah, yeah, Fukusaku, first Fukusaku, big up to Jake for bringing him in. Um, you know, Kinji's films have uh, certainly excitement to them. Um, they have an energy. And, and we see, you know, right away with this was kind of the snappy jazz and, and the... Uh, the, the newspapers and the sort of the what is it the, the Japanese creature called kanji is that correct? Uh, there, there's it, it's weird. It, there's kanji which is from Chinese. There's oh, katakana which is strictly Japanese letters for English words, I think. And then there's hiragana. It's confusing. Hiragana would that be the correct term here? Um, it, it, I think most of what they use was kanji. Oh, it was kanji? Okay, so yeah, yeah. And you see kind of that red splashed kanji over the newspaper uh, footage and stuff. So you know, it just opens up. Very exciting and, and you know with an energy that that Fukusaku keeps for a lot of his films. I don't ever, I don't ever remember being bored in a Fukusaku film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, a lot of his films have a great sort of sense of black humor and and you know fatalism without it seeming overly 
romanticized. And also, I love kind of the the pulpy feel a lot of his films have, like a 40s detective story with kind of that voiceover and stuff. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he's a guy that, you know, sometimes I think it's it's very easy to overlook the influence a lot of that stuff out on everything from noir, you know, uh, the French New Wave, and you know, even into Japan, mm-hmm. certainly. Um I love, uh, you know, there, there's defining moments for the characters in the film, and for this certainly, with uh, Genji being, you know, the or Gunji, I should say, uh, being the cock of the walk. I love the 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 great kind of macho scene when he goes into the, I can't remember the family's name that they die. Daitokai. Daitokai uh, family, the building, and he says, "I want five million. <laughs> and uh, it's just such a fucking, like, he's so brash, so brazen, and it really sets him up that he's going to have nerves of steel and he's not going to back down. And it's one of those, those sort of guy moments where, like, yeah, man, like, that, that would be hard to do in, in, you know, in real life being that outnumbered, but he goes in and swings his dick and, and no one says anything, so. He's got guts. Yeah. He's got guts. guts. His, his dick wears shades, too. Yeah, man. Exactly. <laughs> he's got well, he's got one lens on each ball, right? So. <laughs> fucking, you know, fucking anteater coming out the middle. Well, that's the good thing about it because those two rubber things in the middle can kind of you can wedge the shaft in there. So, yeah, yeah. good. We might be putting too much thought into this. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> um, I'm starting to picture it, and I'm wondering if I can pull it off right now while you're reviewing this film. Yeah, well, you'd even have the sort of Groucho Marx hair or mustache, depending on how high those sunglasses were. Uh, Or you would maybe have uh, the Kojak, depending on your grooming habits, but I digress. Um, There's an interesting parallel with, um, again, sort of the the legitimization of of illicit business. business. Um, With this and sort of the little guys being pushed out, and this, the little guys are, are... or Gunji and his crew, they're being pushed out for sort of the corporate sharks, as it were. Mm-hmm. And I think that's interesting, certainly. And I think even the, we talked about the the affection for brotherhood and camaraderie. And, you know, another thing that this kind of predates, um, although it's it's a bit rejigged, is uh, Hong Kong's heroic bloodshed stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um I think that Gunji is not only swings a big dick and he's he's got guts, but he's also classy because he switches up his black shades for the the much more friendly daytime tortoise shell rims when he's on the plane. Yes, yes. so clearly a man who's who's got some diversity in his game. Those are mm-hmm. those, those are traveling shades, man. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, and I, you know, I, I I certainly wasn't around, but I, I can imagine. Uh, being nostalgic for the good old days when, despite having bullet holes in your stomach, Johnny Walker and Marley Reds are uh, are, the, are your medicine of choice. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of Johnny Walker in this film. This this film is to uh, Johnny Walker what JMB is to Italian Eurocrime film. Yeah, yeah. Well, Johnny and Walker. I, and I don't know. I haven't, like I said, I haven't seen enough uh, Yakuza films of the time in recent memory. To do sort of the Easter egg hunt, Jake. Does Johnny Walker feature that prominently in <laughs> in a lot of the uh, the Japanese gangster films at the time? Honestly, when it comes to minutia in, in films, I don't really uh, see that a whole lot. The, the only time I really see, like, I remember watching uh, Black Magic Two, which is a Yakuza, but I remember seeing a J and B bottle in the back of that. Nice, one. but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think so. It'd be worth looking into, though. I'm going to look into that, or maybe the oily maniac or someone will know. So, yeah. <laughs> um, 
I hadn't realized just how how significant the American infiltration was in Okinawa at the time. Oh, yeah. And when they're starting to show that on the film, it was like, it's been a long time since I've seen this. So things like that, mm-hmm. I, I would, wouldn't, a light wouldn't have went off above my head to say, oh, that's, you know, clearly, you know, uh, post-war sort of stuff. But, um, but yeah, I just, it, everywhere you look, I mean, even to the point where you get those African-American uh, gangsters and, mm-hmm. you know, you never think you're going to see them in a Yakuza film. I have right. a I have a good number of maybe not friends but people I've worked with in the past who are you know about twelve to fourteen years older than me, and a lot of those guys that were in the military were stationed in Okinawa, oh, wow. and they would talk about it how it's like you know like they had such a great time like like the great moments of their life were in Okinawa you know because you know <laughs> the booze the women you know it's it's like paradise you know so it's interesting because that's pretty much like it's almost like the the South to Japan. It's almost kind of like what? what they consider to be the backwoods sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one man's, you know, you know, exactly. paradise is another man's, you know, fucking, you know, ghetto, I guess you could say. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, Gushkin, uh, for you guys, well, you, you see me, I don't know how Jake, is, if he's a big Blue Jackets fan up there in Ohio, but... Um, <laughs> I, I laugh because I hear the name Gushkin. It almost sounds Yiddish for an orgasm. <laughs> Ooh, that is Gushkind. <laughs> <laughs> from my gherkin <laughs> um, uh, but uh, Gushkin <laughs> fuck I'm going to keep hearing that, that, that Yiddish voice now when I say that uh, he's sort of like the Don Cherry of uh, <laughs> of the Yakuza in that and Don Cherry's a color commentator and a, oh, okay. a hockey personality but he's got the worst wardrobe of all time. In yeah. fact, I'm going to just Google something, maybe send it to you, Jake. Um, but he, he has a, an affinity for loud plaid jackets, much like Don Cherry. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. So whenever I see a man that dresses like that, I can't help but think of Don Cherry. And I don't like Don Cherry. He's a fucking blowhard. But, you know, in saying that, I can't help but think the of Don him. Cherry, the thing about Don Cherry that kills me is it's like, you know, you're in the wrong profession. You should have been a wrestling manager because that's what he looks yeah. like. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, that's totally. what he, he looks more like. Actually, he looks more, even more perverse than a wrestling manager. I mean, he makes wrestling managers look fucking tame by comparison. He does, and he says shit that's that's uh, more wrestling manager esque. Like, here, I'll, I'm going to send you guys something right now. You know Sammy, but yeah, I've seen. But, him. Uh, let's. Uh, th- did this come up, Jake, in the the box or that link you can click on? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. That's how cherry rolls. <laughs> And that that that's a tame that that's him yeah. being subtle. I've seen worse. Oh my that, god! There's pimps that think he's fucking tacky. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Liberace's like, oh man, yeah, this guy needs to dial it back a bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's that's Yeah. So anyway, Gushkin, Don Cherry. Uh, Gushkin. Uh, yeah. Um, Ooh, my gherkin. <laughs> oh Jesus. Um. Uh, Just the film's very crispy edited, which again, you know, a lot of Fukusaku stuff is. Um, <laughs> I got to say though, these guys throw around the word "bro" more than the whole cast of Jersey Shore does in an episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> some pretty amazing stuff. Um, e- even more surprised than I was at the Black Gangsters was I at the topless African American woman with this huge afro. <laughs> again, not something I expect to see in a Yakuza film. Yeah, yeah, it was a pleasant surprise, by the way. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Certainly. Um, good good uh, time for my gherkin. 
Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's good for the gherkin, you know. Uh, it's good for the gander. Yes, yeah. I, was, I was trying to work in the gander. Uh, <laughs> it's good for the gherkin. It's good for, good the, for the gander. gander. There yeah, we go. <laughs> and I guess for some, depending on the way you swing, literally and figuratively, the gosling is good for the gherkin or for the gander. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Lone Wolf, um, he's got an overhead smash that that oh, yeah. would almost make Bud Spencer envious. He kind of reminds me of Bud Spencer in a lot of ways anyway. So I would have loved to have seen uh, a fish out of water buddy cop film with those two. Yeah, Bud Spencer. They would have destroyed whatever yeah. town. They, the whole town is a china shop when those two team up. <laughs> it would have been amazing. Um, I love the... Uh, um, okay, never mind. But yeah, just some more American stuff. The Jeeps and the Mustangs and whatnot. And We were talking about the action. And I like that the action... Is, is is very breathless and it's quick and it's almost in a way sloppy but it makes it feel real which is mm-hmm. kind of in line with what informed Fukusaku's later stuff which has like more of a documentary feel right. so I love that it, it feels real it doesn't feel overly choreographed but it's just choreographed enough to make it still look cool and not like they're fucking idiots who don't know what they're doing mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean it's just it has like a real liveliness to it and I think also in seeing some of that stuff and some of the colorful characters it's very obvious to me too that Guy Ritchie has seen Mm-hmm. films, um, but you know one of my favorite moments in the film, from just sheer spectacle standpoint, is when it pans to like the little airport, and it's just such an amazing fucking moment for me when you see like fifty black suited, white corsaged uh, yakuza come out of the airport, and it's just a stream of cars. When the uh, what was the the, fa- the family again, Jake? The uh, Daitokai. Then when the Daitokai show up on the island. Um, just an amazing spectacle, and it reminded me of, of and Takashi Miki's uh, Crow Zeroes Two, when that other school mm. in, the, in the gray when they all show up. It's the faceless army. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, a lot of great macho moments, like you said, lines like "It's gonna rain blood" and <laughs> all sorts of very cool stuff. Um, Anytime I see somebody say "rain blood," I think of Slayer, you know. So it's like <laughs> <laughs> rain blood. <laughs> <laughs> um, the prostitute. Labia song <laughs> is is actually deep, no pun intended. Yeah. It, yeah. It, yeah, it, nice. it does give that little flourish that uh, you know that a very good director can do, and it does make you kind of lament for her. And you know, it isn't just some clumsy oaf trying to shoehorn the female in, like we said. Um, yeah, and, and you know, I'm going to show my hand right now. I fucking love the peck and pod decision moment. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if there's anything I'm a mark for in films, it's got to be that. Like it's just because it, it's just you know being a guy and it's just it's the 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 pinnacle of of the guy like the the, the decision I mean it's just it's so unbelievably cinematic and masculine that it I can't help but just give me chills just to think about it. so oh, and those are all my notes oh yeah yeah you know you know how I feel about that moment <laughs> yeah we've had that moment come up several times on the show now. Mm-hmm. Without without reviewing the Wild Bunch, which, which we'll get to, man. We'll get, we got to get to. It's my favorite western. I know you really love it. So. Yeah. So I never. Are I we never... talking about the gherkin or? <laughs> I'm just talking about the gushkin. I make decisions <laughs> about my gherkin every day, man. Yeah, gush- I get I get chills after that too. <laughs> wow. Um, uh, yeah, I never seen this film. I, this is one of those ones that's like uh, nice. that was on the radar, and uh, you know, it's just one of those ones that keeps eluding me, like. Uh, like we were talking about off the air, me and Jake were talking about the Elite Squad. And it's like, you know, I, I know it's there, but oh, uh, see it, I know I just never get around to it. I don't know what the I don't know what my problem is. 
but uh, it's not not for effort of trying, you know, for lack of, I should say. But it's just never get around to it. Like I said, most of my notes are all the same. I just want to add that you know, a lot of filmmakers had to have seen this film. I mean, this this film really kind of fits in with a lot of the indie style of the '90s. Uh, you know, the Tarantinos and the and the people like that. Maybe not Rodriguez so much because he was obviously more influenced by like Woo and people like that. But a lot, of, uh, you know, you see a lot of these filmmakers you go back and watch them and you see a lot of these influences on the films you're watching and you don't even know it sometimes you wonder where it comes from fukusaku is a very interesting guy like we always mentioned you know he's he's made some great films and he's made some utter disasters (laughs) so it's it's he's an interesting filmmaker because you know he he was up and down and i'd say probably more up than down oh yeah (laughs) yeah for sure with his gherkin and his gushkin and uh (laughs) But, uh, you know, to go out on the note he went out on is, is pretty interesting because not a lot of filmmakers, you know, on their you know last film, there's very few that go out, you know, with a bang. And I, I seriously consider more the Battle Royale film. I'm not talking about Battle Royale 2, even though I know he was attached to it and he did some of the stuff in it and stuff. I, I still don't feel like that's his film so much. So no. I mean, he only directed it for two days. Yeah, so, I mean. And, and speaking of the kind of guy he is, I mean, this is well known, but it's worth saying, you know, he, you know, opted out of living for a couple more months by staying in the hospital because he, he wanted to work. Yeah. This is what he does. Just yeah. manly shit. Yeah, manly stuff. He made the decision, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I don't have a whole lot more to add. I just, you know, I would say go through his filmography, find a lot of, st- there's some stuff in there. There's a samurai film in there I like a lot. Uh, I think it's called Shogun Samurai. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's got some Chiba in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah Sunny Shiba film, and uh, it's a good film. And I should say, the lead he's in a he's in a trilogy of films that we're going to review at some point in time. He's only in two of the three. Yeah, they're good films, man. I've yeah, seen those. The Samurai trilogy, which is uh, with Toshiro, man. Yeah, with Toshiro. Yeah, I can't remember the character name he played in that. I think it was Sasaki or something like that. But yeah, Sasaki. He looked a lot younger than that. I was kind of shocked. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Well, everybody looks still a lot younger. Now. Those films are pretty old, actually. So. Yeah, late fifties, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, yeah they early sixties. Yeah. So hey, uh, before we get off this, because you mentioned Sammy uh, or um, uh, Jake, you've seen Elite Squad. Yeah, yeah. I saw. Isn't it? Isn't it so fucking good? It's really, really good. Really I, fucking. Good. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm because it, it felt a little uh, mainstream in spots, mm-hmm. but by I mean I, I loved it. Well, if that if the year it had it came out, if I had have seen it, it would have been like number two or three on my list that year, and and that's why I want you to see it, Rick, because part two I have, and I want to get to you. So you know, I'm coming in before a year end, but you need to see part one before I can get you part two. No, no, maybe so, we should just do a double deuce, huh? I, I would be yeah. game, man. Like those films are the most macho thing of all time. Like you have to admit, Jake. When you talk about, oh. like, Randy Savage is jealous at how macho that, that <laughs> film is. Yeah, I think we found a name for the uh, if uh, Silva and Gold want to do a double show, they can just call it the Double Gherkin or the Double Gushkin. <laughs> <laughs> the double. Well, we saw a Double Gherkin on their Ooh. page. Oh yeah, Maybe. we did. <laughs> Yeah, the bi- the bisection yeah. with that fucking bull ring. Yeah, that was the that was the Moses cock split the Red Sea, brother. Yeah, Oof. Oh. Never th- I never thought I'd, I'd know that the sh- the, the shade in the inside of your cock is a few shades darker than cotton candy. But now, now I know. Ooh, <laughs> I bet it doesn't smell like cotton candy. Oh. All right, so, <laughs> but that's that's uh, that's basically all my notes. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> 
<laughs> this, this show's taking a dark turn. Uh, <laughs> I feel like you know this show is the equivalent of being on the Silver and Gold Facebook page. Yeah, it is right now. Um, Just shame and regret. <laughs> I'm disgusted with myself right now. Um, but I don't really have a whole lot more notes. Uh, you guys covered most everything, and I was just a little bit of Don Cherry color commentary in there myself. So, uh, Jake, this are your MVTs, make or breaks. Okay. Uh, MVT, I, I, I'm just going to go with the whole gang. Just the, the group of actors, Koji nice. Saruta, Nobro Ando, you know, just the whole cast of mains. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, we're not we're not really scavenging great depths here with their camaraderie, but you know, just just their relationships with each other really draws you in, and you, you care for these guys, and you you know you really identify with them. You know, it's a very threadbare plot, so this is what really keeps the movie humming along. All right, all right. Uh, let's see here, uh, make or break. Um, just uh, the one word, like. One of the gang members kind of loses his shit when uh, one of the prostitutes isn't singing a traditional Japanese song. And he pretty oh, much just yeah. loses his mind, and it, that's pretty much where you know the the real kind of uh, meat of the film, so to speak. Got given back to the gherkin. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the world's passed them by. You know, they, they've oh. been bred to live in this world, this post-war world, and it's just not there for them anymore. And, that pretty much sums up the movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to give this uh, an 8 out of 10. Uh, I oh, think nice. it belongs in his uh, A-level output for Fukusaku, just kind of closer to the to the lower end of it, you know, like behind Battle Royale, Graveyard of Honor, uh, some of the Battles movies. But I, I think this is uh, essential viewing, not ne- necessary viewing, but I, I think it's very, very good stuff. Oh, nice. Large William. Make a break, the scene, the wild bunch moment, the decision. <laughs> yeah. It's got to be that for me. Uh, MVT, I'm going to go with Fukusaku. Um, like Jake said, I don't think he's mining any real depths here, but there, there's enough being said on the surface that this is, see, this is, this is the kind of film from a really great director that, you know, was probably told to make a film for the studio um, that, that the mainstream could enjoy, but also people like us now, you know, 40 years later, cinephiles could enjoy as some of the stuff he touched on, at least, and, and brought into the conversation uh, with this film. So um, I'm going to go with Fukusaku. My score is a 7.5. Man, this is just, it's a really good film. It's its not, like Chick said, it, it's not, you know, elite Fukusaku, but it's very good Fukusaku. And very good Fukusaku is better than certainly most filmmakers out there. Yeah. 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 You're going to say Fukusaku as much as I said back earlier. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I said it a lot. I didn't realize it kind of flows nicely off the tongue. And yeah. if we were just covering this film on this episode, we would have called the episodes instead of Gamblers in Okinawa, Gherkins in Okinawa. But anyway. <laughs> Gherkins in Okinawa. Sounds like a pate. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm like horror hound Saturday night. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, my make or break is also uh, the decision. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a weak. I have a weakness for that. And. Uh, mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons why I love cinema. I love that the masculinity and, and it's it's both noble and stupid at the same time. It's it's one of those yes. decisions that mm-hmm. like shows both ends of the spectrum when it comes to humanity. And I've always loved that. So, isn't that masculinity though at times? That, noble that, that, and stupid. That is that is that is masculinity. That's masculinity in a nutshell. It's both. Yeah. The, it's the extremes of our nature. You know yeah. the. Mm-hmm. 
the part of us that's you know knows what we want to do and can do it and boom we're very confident and the other part of us that thinks you know that thinks we can do it and blah 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 you know and and, and does something stupid but hey you know either way uh but i love that moment uh my mvt also fukusaku so there we go i'm just gonna say it once and uh, <laughs> and my score i love this film uh i give it an eight Great. out of ten i loved it a lot nice. i mean this, this is this is good stuff man really good stuff um i don't know like i say i wouldn't classify it as upper tier but i mean it's it's if if you have to go a b c like in grades this is definitely a b plus level fukusaku i said it yeah anyway, i'd so. agree with that my score yeah. is still in the b plus range too yeah yeah, yeah 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 mm-hmm. 7.5 is totally fair. I think I like the I think I'll go with the 8 just strictly because, you know, this movie what I didn't say in my notes, this movie just oozes cool. Oh yeah. I mean, it just, it's so it's it's so masculine and it oozes it, you know, it's just it's just like pouring out of its gherkin. So, yeah, like old old, uh, old spice, man. Yeah. Ooh, old spice in the gherkin hole, not good. Oh. All right. Track hard long. All right, we're going to take a break before we... <laughs> nice, nice pull, man. Yeah. Again with the cricket. <laughs> Jesus. All right, we're going to take a break and uh, come back and try to t- not talk about gherkins in our next review of uh, The Unjust. We'll be back right after this. Are you looking for a way to connect with people who like the things that you like? Whether it's music, movies, TV, or whatever you're into, head on over to the palaver.com forums. Yes, yes, but, but forums and message boards are elitist and archaic. Well, yeah, maybe if you're an asshole. Palaver.com is home to all your favorite podcasts. So why not head over there now? Start talking about all the things you want to talk about. That's palaver.com. P-A-L-A-V-R.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We got our next review, which is The Unjust. This is a film I hadn't even heard of. Me neither uh, somehow, man. Yeah, oh, the, nice. This one snuck under the radar. And it should be said it is available. I posted this one. I put it up on the uh, on my MISO, but it is available on Netflix Instant Watch in the States. So uh, for those who want to play along or want to check it out after our review, or maybe have checked it out because we reviewed it this week, either way, uh, we'll get talking about it here. This is from 2010. Um I can't remember off the top of my head who directed it, but... Uh, it's uh, Ru Sung Wan. There we go. Rick, why don't you try that, that original title on for size, man, see how it fits you. Well, hang on a second. <laughs> let, me, uh, let me pull it up here because my pants are off, obviously, and I wasn't ready. Boudang Jio Ray? Boudang Jio Ray? Jio Ray? Jio Ray? Boudang Jio Ray? I don't know. Something like that. Jake? Uh, I'm looking it up right now. I'm I'm awful with Korean. It almost look when Yuri tries to teach me, it looks like we're on some sort of game show or like some sort of weird like comedy bit. Because she's yeah. like Che, and I'm like Che. She's like No Che. I'm like What? No What? Yeah, Korean's one that I've always I've said on the show before. I just can't retain anything in Korean, like with actors and stuff. And yeah. you know, I only ever remember about five to ten Korean actors' names. Mm-hmm. It's because the hyphen. And their first names throws me off. Well, yeah. that and like in America, you know, we call him Chanwook Park, right? And it, it's, but it's really Park Chanwook is, yeah. is the the way they do it over there in Asia. So it confuses you more. So well, yeah, because you get a lot of people when they're referring to Asian directors, they refer to them by their last name as their first name accidentally, yeah. not realizing that when they call him Park, Park's his last name. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. So. It's Bu uh, Budengode, something like that. Sounds, good, man. That sounds a lot better than me. 
Yeah, Fury says it sounds actually natural. Boudang. Uh, I say Boudang and then Geo, like in the old cars, man. Like a Geo. <laughs> Boudang Geo Ray? Yeah, Boudang Geo Ray? That's why we say it down nice. here in Kentucky. Boudang Geo Ray? Yeah, we're going to get a Boudang. Yeah, Bruce Unwanted oh. this. <laughs> Yeah. And he, he's kind of he's not he's an interesting guy because he kind of he's on the up and up. He made a kind of student film called Die Bad, which is a ridiculous title, but yeah, um, he, he kind of got a reputation as like a almost like a Tarantino sort of figure. Like a lot of people were expecting a lot out of him. They called him the action kid, and his uh, career's taken some interesting uh, twists and turns. He's a pretty yeah. interesting guy. There was a film he did, uh, City of Violence. I meant to see, I never got around to it. So. Man. That's yeah. very Tarantino. Yeah. I don't like it, right? I think it's it's got to be to me. It's the most overrated fucking Korean film, man. It's just <laughs> oh my god. Other than the one sequence when they're walking through the uh, the city and like all like the warriors, all the gangs are coming out. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, man, fuck that movie. It is so to me, Jake, respectfully, so overrated. No. Like, I think he's such a uh, you know talk about a director who squanders his fucking talent. Like, cr- how could the same guy that made Crying Fist <laughs> make? You know, I just, I just find he, yeah, he's, he's just, he squanders his talent with, with, I don't know. Anyway, we'll, 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 we'll see what you think. We'll see what man. you think of this film. Hopefully, that's not a precursor for this one. Here we go. <laughs> it, it is a precursor. Okay, okay. But uh, you know, in two thousand, uh, let's just say this: uh, in two thousand ten, South Koreans are terrified by a series of murders targeting children. Police uh, fell repeatedly to catch the killer. Uh, basically, basically, this is a cop film. And it's a cop film done with, uh, I guess, um, should I say corruption? Because that's basically what it's about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let's just that's go with that. Corruption on all levels. Yeah. Yes. Government, uh, politicians, the work in the system, the, and it's all about the game and how you play it, as Lemmy would say. Yeah. It's all about the game. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Large William. <clears throat> okay. So, yeah, I, you know, I'm really behind with South Korean films and actually Asian films. I feel like the past year or two, I'm going to be um, burning up the phone lines with Jake because he keeps his ear to the ground a little more than I do. Yeah. Uh, you know, South Korea for a time, I, I felt like, um, I remember how I was thinking about this the other night, having a conversation with some friends who were real big Asian movie fans. And this was during the South Korean New Wave. I remember all of us saying, well, who, who do you prefer, Japan, South Korea, Hong Kong? And, and I was like, oh, man, South Korea, they're, only, they're on the up and up. It's only going to get better. And, you know, and then the quota happened and then the just sort of government funding on the whole happened, a lack of government funding on the whole happened. So um, their output has really dwindled. And I, I want to preface everything I'm going to critique in this film um, by saying that uh, I think Rue is a, a – talented filmmaker certainly who has the potential to be one of the not the but one of the um shining lights in south korean cinema but i don't know how much he's penned in by uh investment money that requires a more mainstream flourish to his film Mm. because a lot of the films that get released over there nowadays aren't as transgressive or aren't as they don't take as many risks artistically or thematically as they did five, six, eight years ago. Right? Everything just and I think this is symptomatic of South Korean film on the whole right now is it's overproduced, over polished, and and plays it far too safe. It's it's far too glossy for my liking. This is this this is emblematic this is um uh, evident in everything for me of uh, from the man with no name right through to this stuff that it should have some grit and sort of griminess to it, but comes off as over-polished. The man from nowhere? That's what I said, didn't yeah. I? No, you, yeah, said, said, the you, man with no you said the man with no name, but hey. Oh, clearly the wrong film. I meant, I meant uh, yeah, the man from nowhere. I'm sorry. Yeah. 
No, not, not, not to correct you, like out of uh, you know flippant uh, movie supremacy. <laughs> no, no, but, sure. no, but I think we're, we we know that it's not about that. Yeah. You know, I, would, I just wanted I to make sure that you. there wasn't a Man with No Name trilogy in Korea that I haven't seen because I was getting ready to start looking for it. <laughs> oh no, no, no! By all means, no, correct away because you know it's still early enough in the morning. It's not even seven yet, and I, I would want people to, to yes. uh, correct me. So, but I just I, I just I lament at the the over-gloss and the over-produced feel that a lot of South Korean films have. So I don't know if it's so much the director or if it's the system he's working in. So let me just say that up front. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it was nice, though, Jake, to see that CJ logo again. Man, I used to see that, <laughs> you know, almost daily. And I would, mm-hmm. I would smile. And so to see that CJ logo again, it kind of made me, uh, you know, kind of made me really happy. Um, this film, it should be said, was written by uh, Hoon Jung Park, the screenwriter of I Saw the Devil. So I should tell you something, uh, you know, similar in some ways, certainly. Um, but it opens with a bang. I mean, you get this news coverage with mutilated school schoolgirls, and it's, um, you know, it's it just it kind of opens up and it grabs you right away because it's, it's clearly a very strong uh, subject matter. And, um, you know, and then we sort of see, kind of see the faces in the film. And, and forgive me, you know, that I have someone that can correct me on, on South Korean pronunciation. Uh, so c- forgive me if I... I uh, <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I, it's I, okay. I'll butcher this one. Uh, but um, uh, Zhuang Min Huang? Uh, Huang. Huang? Yeah. Uh, wrong pronunciation of the A there. He's, yeah. you know, he, along with a lot of the other cast, uh, a lot of uh, more uh, sort of character actors, not so much um, uh, Rayu, we'll say, just to mm-hmm. keep it simple, because yeah. he's been in a few things. He's a little more of a face, but uh, mm-hmm. Huang is certainly more of a, of, to me, a, you know, with my Korean view, more of a character actor, but he's one of the principals in this. Um, but, you know, we kind of, it sort of, you know, revolves around, we get to see our cast and whatnot, and, and we get a quote that comes up a few times. I can't think of the guy's name, though. He played one of the, uh, the corrupt um, CEOs, but he sort of looks like a pig. He has a pig face. <laughs> I think he was an uh, attack the block. He played like um, <laughs> not not attack the block. Jesus, attack the gas station. Oh, uh, you talking about Yoo Hae Jin? He, he's a he's a gangster. Yeah, and that, uh, and that he's one of the gangsters that the guy with the broom from Champion ends up like like sort of mm-hmm. laying the wood to, mm-hmm. and not in the Gherkin way, um, <laughs> with the broom actually. There it is. Or a mop? Was it a mop? <laughs> I can't remember now. Uh. I can't. I, I can't. There's that scene when they're, they're yeah. trying to bully the guys at the gas station, and, and the guys. Oh yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're right. There, yeah. I can't even say anything because I've never seen Attack the Gas Station either. It's a fun film. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's a fun film, but I love that um, our main character Huang um, or Choi Cho Ji or Gi. Uh, <laughs> Cho Cho Gi. Cho Cho Gi. He gra- he puts his thumb inside his mouth and his finger outside of his <laughs> mouth, and he pulls and he says, "You're stretchy." Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I like that moment a lot. <laughs> that was great, man. You know who does he look like? That actor, the, pig, the, the pig not, face man. No, 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 not the pig face guy. The other guy. He he looks like a mixture of American actors to me, like a Richard Gere and and like maybe a Joe Pesci had a child. <laughs> Whoa, oh. <laughs> that's a love child, right? There. I can't play. Yeah, yeah, that is a love child. I can't. I wonder who the dominant top is in that relationship. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> what's disturbing is you're thinking about it. You're like, I think I'd go with Pesci somehow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Try to work it out in my head. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He looks like somebody though. He looks like an American actor. You know, because he got that perm, man. Yeah, he's got, he's got a little bit of a perm going on. <laughs> but no, he's a good character actor for sure. Um, but 
and it should be said, you know, something that's a staple in South Korean film is let no one say that South Korea can't bring the pimp slap with the best of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Always in a lot of cop films, you know, and you guys always get slapped out. And it's, it's always great to see. Um, one thing I didn't really know about the, the inner workings of the police in South Korea, and I don't know how much you know about this, Jake, is there's talk of being an academy guy versus a non-academy guy. So I don't know if it's that guys go to the academy and they get put somewhere in the police force, whereas other guys have to work their way. I assume other guys have to work their way up from maybe traffic cop to this to that to this. Is that the way the system goes or you're not really sure yourself? Yeah, it's. I'm not 100% confident, but it seemed like it, it's the sort of deal where certain people are on the fast track, kind of like uh, someone who gets uh, a degree in America. Mm-hmm. Um, they can get to officer almost right away in the military. You know, certain certain things like that. You know, if you do well enough, and if you're, you know, have enough money, and you know enough people, uh, you can get get along much much quicker than others. Of course, yeah. these guys, you know, they put their nose to the grindstone. They earn their way up, and they still can't quite break through because they don't have those upper connections. Yeah, uh, there's More blue a blue collar, white collar. Yeah, there's a part where the the two groups of cops are arguing, and I was watching with Yuri and. The one thing that needs to be said about a lot of Korean movies and the subtitles is that subtitles do a really shitty job of kind of illustrating how colorful Korean language can be because it can get pretty insane. Like, there's a part where uh, one of the uh, Academy guys says, it's not my fault you have a shit rope, which is basically saying that uh, their connection is shit and they can't get anywhere because it's Mm. covered in shit. (laughs) That sort of thing. Very nice. Um, my shit rope. Yeah, it leaves little, leaves little to the imagination. So. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. yes. Um, let no one say that Francis Ng is the only scenery tour in Asian film. Um, <laughs> uh, Rayu Sung Bum. There's that one scene early on when I love the scene when uh, saying, "Oh, we don't want to make the police upset," and he goes off on that fucking rant of, "Oh, we don't want to upset the police," and you know, he's just really chewing the scenery in that. It's a really good scene. Um, I like when you know, uh, basically, uh, Huang is 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 chosen to head up this investigation and and find this killer. And I like it's almost like this, almost like this class system thing where he knows he's he's only going to get so far, and mm-hmm. uh, it's a dogfight basically. And um, he he's basically says, matter of fact, he goes, "Oh, I know that even if I fail, I'm sort of easily cut off and disposed of." and it's it's just like this way. The 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 higher ups don't really have anything to lose by putting him there. Like he, they know he's going to be a loyal dog, and he's going to mm-hmm. just do what they need him to do. But I, I really like this sort of uh, matter of fact kind of yeah. That's my lot in life thing. Right. Until he sees that maybe he can, you know, he can jockey a little bit here. And and I think it's interesting to see that that jockeying for ladder position in in sort of the corporations and how that's sort of cross cut with the police stuff and. Know, very interesting, and I do want to say, Sam, in case you don't know this, and I'm sure you do, but or you were able to infer, but the Blue House is the, the South Korean equivalent of the White House. Now, I was wondering that because I have one of my notes is actually Blue House question mark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I no, didn't that's, know. That's, I didn't that's know. The, that's the White House. Okay, okay. Um, basically, what spurs on the whole <clears throat> thing is that the, the president doesn't like all the bad publicity, so he goes straight to the top and says, "Get it done." Right. That's yeah. what kind of sets this whole thing in motion. Right. Yes, exactly. Um, have you ever seen, you know, it's a great film, Jake. Have you ever seen The President's Last Bang? Yes. A fucking great film. Man. Yeah, that's fantastic, maybe. Yeah, we should we should do that sometime. That'd be, be a good one. Oh, yeah, for sure. That'd yeah, be that, a poster, too. That pops up on the, that pops up on a lot of Korean film lists. 
Yeah, it's a fucking great film. Um, this is really, you talk about minutia, this is as, as minutia as it gets. Um, when Juan goes to visit his sister and they're eating, she has a container that she, she opens up and gives him the food in. That container is called a lock and lock. It is a form of Rubbermaid, I guess, or Tupperware, as it were. Not Rubbermaid. That's a brand. Um, lock and locks are the greatest invention ever for those of you that take food to work because what a lock and lock does is I can put, like, soup or stew in my lock and lock and I can juggle it and play soccer with it and it will never open and I don't have soup all over my fucking apple and my orange no. and everything else in my bag. So if you eat lunch or meals at work, buy lock and lock Tupperware. Yeah, or if you mm-hmm. if you like to play soccer with your soup. Or if you like to play soccer with your soup, get a lock and lock set. Um, money well spent. Um, I love the, the dry kind of wit in this. Like there's a moment when I think I think it's Ryu's character says to someone higher up than him. He says, "Oh, I love you, sir." And the guy just writes, oh. "Fuck off." <laughs> yeah, it's almost like a British kind of. It's just hilarious. There's a there's a lot of moments where characters tell other superiors they love them. Is that a Korean thing? I'm not aware of. Yeah, it's something that people say. It's Defer. it's, it's something you know, kind of deferring to them. But obviously, in this, it's you know the way we read it. It's a little over the top. Well, yeah, yeah, but. I, Actually, um, apparently, the when he says "fuck off," what he actually says in Korean, which is just another weird little Koreanism, is "uncover your private parts." <laughs> which Whoa. is yeah. But the, the, it's almost yeah, the, the almost... meaning for it is similar to "fuck off." You know, you know what that leads us back into, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> what? You know what that leads. You know, you know what I'm going to do the next time I get mad in traffic. I'm going to yell out the window, "Uncover your private parts." Yeah, and see what happens. Yeah. Exactly. I got a hunch. I know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, I love in foreign films, especially a lot of Asian films. I want throughout foreign films. You know, we get um, a lot more of a blue collar feel from the police officers. Mm. You get it now. You know, you get it in some American films, but I feel like after post Miami Vice, um, in in films. Uh, Police was thought of as white collar work. Like, like police officers were driving Ferraris and Lamborghinis, and you look at like bad boys and stupid shit like that. Where mm-hmm. cops were like these superheroes with these Italian sports cars, and I like that they keep it sort of blue collar in this, and mm-hmm. they don't romanticize it too much. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. Uh, some great, great, great locations in this film, like that garbage dump when they're they're trying yes. to, they're trying to um, beat that guy into uh, confessing to the kills like that garbage dump when they drop his wallet in that fucking garbage pit and, <laughs> yeah. like and the walls are just so grimy and stuff it was just a fantastic location also like yeah, the, I, the nighttime golf course is nice the nighttime okay. golf course is nice but Jake again correct me if I'm wrong but I didn't know that female caddies with safari hats were a thing in South Korea <laughs> well, I think it's just the safari hats not the, the female caddies everyone's just rocking the safari hat very nice. nice. <laughs> um, the film, to me, part of the failing of this film, this is where I talk about sort of how much interference the studio had to make it appeal to the masses, is some of its, you know, and this, God, Korea's been falling into this a lot lately for me, mm-hmm. is some of it is too broad stroke slapsticky at times. Like there's the moment when uh, one of the uh, suits gets stabbed in the golf course and his big fat um, bodyguard slips going up the golf, <laughs> like the hill. Uh-huh. And it's just like, man, you know, play it straight, motherfucker. Like, it just, I don't know. It, it was definitely a strange moment because it, in some ways you could, 
it, it depends on how you look at the scene because in because as he does that you don't really unless you remember the face of the guy at the top of the hill like you don't think anything really bad is going to happen mm-hmm. so it almost kind of releases some tension before you realize what's going on but I, I'd imagine they could have done something a little better than a fat guy falling. They don't need to release tension. If anything, build the tension. I think yeah, some, yeah. You know, that's part of my criticism with this film is there's some great musical moments in this film. But those moment, moments, the music is like it shifts gears very quickly into something that missteps for me, you know, orally or whatever the term would be. But, you know, mm-hmm. just a little too bad. I don't even know what this note means. It says blinds and keeping. Oh, uh, there's a moment when Rayu. It's it's some pictures are sent to him. Oh, right. And and it's like he, he, it's the most obvious tell in the history of cinema. Like <laughs> he closes all the blinds, he fucking locks the pictures up in a drawer, and it's just almost like obvious kind of horror dumb movie logic. Like, come on, man! Mm-hmm. Like, you know, let's not bait ourselves out here. <laughs> right. Yeah, especially a guy who's as savvy as him. And again, it just it's one of those things a little too broad stroke for me. Um, I'll tell you though, some of the. Uh, was it? I don't know if it was Taekwondo or Judo. It looked like it was one of those because of the throws and stuff. When he was like, tossing that dude around. When when uh, Huang was tossing that dude around, man, yeah, like, that yeah. was that was fucking awesome. Yeah, there's a yeah, lot I of, love Judo in movies. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of lot of thigh kicking and shin kicking in this movie. <laughs> yeah, there is, man. There is, <laughs> which is painful. Every time, every time I see somebody get hit in the shins, man, I just cringe because you know all yeah. of us have had that that hit in the shin maybe not with a kick oh, but like running into usually something usually with a stair man running oh, upstairs oh god mm-hmm. it's like this, it's like the most intense pain for like like two <laughs> or three minutes it's like oh my god oh, yeah man down yeah. Yeah, they're big yeah. on corporal punishment over there everyone's getting smacked around or kicked or kicked in the whatever. shin yeah yeah definitely yeah. man it's a tough world over there yes uh there are some great moments in this film cinematically there's a fantastic sequence where the camera pulls back from uh, a glass observing room at a funeral home into the room where a body's being prepared, and that's intercut with an award ceremony. That was a fantastic fucking moment, and I think mm-hmm. that's why I'm as bitter as I am about Ryu on the whole, because even in City of Violence, there's moments of greatness, and to me, he, he mars them with, with too many sort of broad-stroke bad decisions, but... You know, but that moment I really dug. Like that was a fucking exceptional cinematic uh, sequence for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I love some of the revelations at the back end of the film. Some of them are good. Some of them are, you know, a little bit shoehorned, but but some mm-hmm. of them are certainly very good. Um, I do I like just, I do like the one moment, the big revelation. I like the look on his face, like fuck. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was great. No, that was great, absolutely. But then again, the comedic excess with a car bumper. Oh, yeah. It's like we didn't need that. Mm. Like it just—it's almost like who do does that? Oh, like the guys that made Inside with their with livid. It's like you know, Jake. They didn't need to go that far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the first thing was bad enough. Clearly, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. And I'll, I'll kind of leave it at that. Actually, those are all my notes. Okay. Okay. I'll hop in here. Uh, you know, I, I enjoyed the movie, uh, but like a lot of Korean films, I will say that uh, it's. It's and this is an easy argument, and, and a lot of people say this, but it's way too long. I don't know what it is with Korean cinema and two-hour films. I don't, I don't know why they have to make. It seems like every film they put out is two hours plus. Now this is like what 126 minutes or something like that. 120 yeah, minutes, something like that. So it's not way over, but it. I think like some of Will's problems with it, you know, could have been edited out. Mm-hmm. Although I don't mind the slipping bodyguard so much because he's. Kind of a bumbling fool anyway. They did have the sprinklers on and everything, so I'd, I'd, that didn't bother me as much. But 
Uh, it is kind of like you know one of those moments. Although what I liked about that moment was is they cut back to the lawyer, the prosecutor, and he kind of smiles like, "What a fucking fool!" You know, <laughs> yeah. these people are all idiots. I'm the you know because he he clearly thinks he's the smartest guy in any room he's in. Mm-hmm. So I kind of yeah. like I kind of like that little bit. But there are some other moments where I agree with Will that it's like you know you didn't have to go that far. You you could have stopped right there and you had it, but maybe mm-hmm. you went to some just a step too far. Um, it is chock full of characters, though, so you got to pay attention. You know, it's not, yeah. yeah, you really do. You know, as Americans, as dumb Americans watching foreign cinema, <laughs> you know, our, our attention spans are very low. Well, I can, I can call Will is a maybe not a dumb American, but maybe a, a questionable North American. <laughs> <laughs> just a Canadian. Just yeah, just a Canadian. Yeah, uh, Canadians. But uh, when I say that, I mean you know we 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 are very uh, in this country very. Uh, prone to turning away from things you know not, not paying close attention so you kind of have to pay attention you know mm-hmm. it's always mm-hmm. tough to take notes on these kind of films I always end up having to pause and yeah. uh, take a note and then turn it back on you know so it takes a lot longer than two hours to get through these films typically um i did kind of like the cat and mouse elements i didn't really know where it was going at first but i kind of like the uh, you know the i don't know if this is a thing in korea as much or south korea but, you know, in the States, I can kind of relate that people will walk on people or do awful things to, to get prestige. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've had this happen. That's the world over, man. Yeah, I've, I've had this yeah. happen to me uh, several times where, you know, people you think are your friends or will literally, you know, you know, just sell you out if it means they'll get what they want out of it, you know. So it's a very, it's a very you know, awful human trait i guess we can say it's a human trait since it is worldwide really when you think about it um that you know kind of speaks to me a little bit because i've had it happen to me obviously in real life um but it it always disturbs me you know because it's like you know and in this case it really disturbs me because i don't even know why the character wants it so bad other than pride oh money Mm -hmm. uh, social status a lot of things but i guess maybe that might be it i mean people act like in this country people act like social status isn't a big deal but in my experience Social status is a very big deal around here. Changes everything. Yeah. Well, well, the perception is it will change everything. Yeah, which is a problem because you know perception yes. is perception is a is a terrible, terrible thing. It's yes, it's it's it's, it's the reality we all have to live with. People all you know perceive things, but uh, unfortunately, it's not. It's never the reality. So nope. that's the thing about perception. Um, yeah, I had a question about the Blue House and uh, the American actor. I can let me ask a question about that the Korean beer. Why is he shaking it up and spraying it all over the place before he pours it? In my experience, you're not supposed to do that with beer. Is that something that you have to do with that beer? You know, I don't. They, they've got a bunch of weird little things. Like there's there's another where they kind of uh, they line up a bunch of little, uh, almost like little shot glasses. I, th- I think it's soju, and they kind of like yeah. tip it over, almost like a domino effect into their beer. They have a bunch of weird little uh, hmm. uh, rituals. Ceremonies. I even asked Gary about that. She didn't know what the hell was going on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he just did it all casually. He's just making a big mess with his beer. <laughs> he belongs in a hip hop video, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the uh, the restaurant scenes, a lot of the eating scenes, uh, reminded me a little bit of, uh, uh, to a lesser degree, obviously, but a bittersweet life. You know, a lot of those closed in, private. You know, even the karaoke scene in some ways. <laughs> That's the the main character was in that. He was one of the villains. In yeah. Yeah. Life. So, it's uh, it's 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 interesting to see those rooms. I, I guess they're just private rooms that people eat in. Is that is that, is that something mm-hmm. they have over there? I... Yeah, yeah. It's just I, it's just one of those cultural things. It's a 
you know, having your own private. A lot of them are tied to, you know, business meetings and stuff like right. that. Right. That's pretty much what they're geared towards. It's a lot different than the, the party room for the kids at Mr. Gaddy's, you know. <laughs> a lot different than TGI Fridays and <laughs> Chili's and whatnot. Yeah. A little class it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no birthday songs in those restaurants, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or animatronic uh, animals. Yeah. Uh, I did. I did like the lead. I like the lead, you know, and I like the the other guy. The other guy, the uh, one you were talking about, Will. I think. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the, the characters in the film. I like the acting in the film. I just feel like for me, if I have one complaint about the film, again, it's 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 the length and how it jumbles its characters so much. Now, there's some major decisions that have to be made. Uh, I really like that elevator scene, by the way. I don't think Will brought that up. I really like that. Oh, yeah. The elevator scene was really good. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And the elevator scene's really good. And I I like that character altogether, the silent hitman character. Very... He's a very mm-hmm. dirty, like, like prepubescent type looking. <laughs> he was he was actually scary looking. The guy in the golf course. Yeah, man. He, or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The mustache. Yeah, remember he he, he pops up in the jail too. Remember the prosecutor sees him up top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I like the way they handled him, where he has such a memorable face that right the prosecutor sees him and he just knows immediately what's going down. Mm-hmm. So I like those kind of moments and stuff. Uh, some of the comedy works. I have to say, I did like the one scene with the prosecutor where he slides out of his chair. To hide from his boss, yeah. and then he tries to—you know—he thinks he's in the clear, and the guy comes back in and hits him on the head. <laughs> so I thought that was okay. I, I, I made a note where, uh, kind of like where Aaron refers to uh, fight scenes as boss battles, yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. the scenes where he's trying to avoid his boss are like mini games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I like those moments, but I did like some of the moments also with the prosecutor where he—I mean, not so much the one Will's talking about where you know he makes such an obvious like I'm up to something no good. I'm going to shut all the blinds, you know. <laughs> but I didn't like. I did like some of the uh, the, the kind of uh, interaction he had with his main guy, that kind of bumbling guy that got you know got caught oh, following yeah. the guys and everything like that. Um, I like some of that because it almost feels like it's a tough love kind of relationship. Like he respects him, but he also treats him like a like a, a blundering fool, you know. So mm-hmm. I kind of like those moments, and and I, I like some of the other moments where you know he knows he's in deep shit. I, I like some of the moments where the characters know. That they could easily go the wrong way, and and then they find a, a little loophole or a little opening, you know. Yeah. And I, I a like sliver of daylight. Yeah, a sliver of daylight, and so they they get this hope again, you know. So I kind of like those moments, but I I do agree with Will that one moment with him going into the room, it should have been much more. I don't know. It should have been much more. Uh, I'm trying to think, much more frenetic or something. It just didn't feel like he was really. You know, not only too worried, but also just felt like you know, like he just gave away his hand to all of his comrades. Yeah. So, and he wouldn't have gotten to where he was if he had been that dumb. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know yeah. what I mean. Like yeah. he was too demonstrative about it. Mm-hmm. And that's you know, mm-hmm. yeah. But I, I do like the kind of comments on the film of you know, I like the title because the title makes sense because of what mm-hmm. of what they're going for. It's it's definitely a flawed Korean film, uh, similar to The Man from Nowhere for me, but. Uh, at the same time, stylish enough and stuff that I I quite enjoyed it. Nice. All right, Jake. All right. Um, uh, let's see here. I'll just say it up front. I love this movie, <laughs> which which right. makes uh, I'm really uh, anxious to hear the scores. We're never we're never surprised uh, when people program for our show that they come on their show and they say what they love the movies that they picked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry to to turn it back yeah. on it there, Jake. No, 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 not at all. I mean, the reason why I brought up is because I wanted to talk about this to other people because, I mean, I I kind of do live in my own little world. 
because I mean there aren't many you know uh, Asian film fans around you know let alone that I know and can show movies to so I can right, right. exist in my own bubble so I really like bounced off of people that you know whose opinions I respect and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean not anymore you know but whatever um, <laughs> I was like what was it you said you hated me after I said uh, oh but I saw the devil ironically <laughs> <laughs> well I think it was it was more so because I hadn't seen it yet and I was so looking forward to it. I heard you didn't like it. I was so like oh no <laughs> it just devastated me. And then I saw it and I just ended up being, you know, middle of the road. Right? I'm, I'm a little safer because uh, I did like uh, I Saw the Devil, but I mean, I didn't love it, but I liked it. So I'm, I'm a, Yeah, I, I like you more. Anyway. Yeah, Jake's still like. <laughs> I'm still a motherfucker, but. <laughs> Jake, Jake's still whispering on his breath, kiss my gherkin, yeah, will, you motherfucker. We'll, yeah, we'll just take your gherkin and go home. <laughs> <laughs> but no, what is it, Tom? Show me your private parts. Yeah. yeah. Show me your private parts. Show me your private parts, wanna... you motherfucker. <laughs> Speaking of which, I um, I pretty much wrote down most of the you know weird little uh, uh, Korean phrases. Uh, there's one part where a guy says, you know, there's a part where it says "you jerk," you know, shit comes out of your mouth, but in like translated it says "you fucking bastard," only if shit comes out of your fish mouth. Oh, nice. <laughs> and then um, Jordan Baker. Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> There's a there's a part where the prosecutor's talking about the cop and he remarks how lucky he is, and he actually says uh, he's so lucky even when he falls he falls into a virgin's skirt. Oh, nice! Yeah, that's that a nice little bit. That is pretty lucky, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And uh, there's a part where um, the prosecutor talks to the, uh, the the gangster, the the CEO that he kind of lets off the hook that he's kind of in cahoots with in the beginning mm-hmm. and uh, he says since we've had so many private meetings does my face look like a private part <laughs> or, or you just say genitals or whatever you know <laughs> nice. just, it's one of those things you know if you put something up like that on the screen you're going to get laughs more than anything yeah. so I kind of understand why the subtitles don't match the colorful nature of it but it's, it's a little bit of a bummer that stuff like that is pretty much hidden to us and that's just one language that I uh, I can, you know, ask about, you know, I have no idea about you know, Cantonese and Japanese and all that. It's kind of one of those things we just won't, un- unfortunately, ever truly, you know. No, because it would be cultural uh, little um, nuances. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, just cool little moments like that. Um, let's see here. Yeah, I, the interesting thing with uh, the prosecutor's character, the way that Rue plays it, and that it should be said, uh, he's the director's brother. Yeah, and he's been in almost you know all of his movies, um, and he, he's an interesting guy because he he's easily the most uh, scenery tuning guy in the whole movie, like, without a doubt. And it, it, you definitely get the impression that you know it is a little bit of you know cinematic, you know, just kind of uh, bombast, but it, it matches his character to a degree because it's really a shit rules rolls downhill kind of culture and it's pretty much that sort of thing where someone's really shitty to you and so the way that you kind of deal with that is you're shitty to other people and you mimic them mm-hmm. like uh the, the your stretchy bit that comes back again when the the gangster he does that to the guy they're trying to frame up you know it's like him trying to like you know by kind of getting over that shame he does it to someone else right right that sort of thing mm-hmm. and his boss and the um, prosecutor's office. I mean, he treats him like garbage, and you know he treats his underling like garbage. And I'm sure when that underling gets up, you know that's kind of the nature of the film. You know, some people just have 
power over others, and it just kind of it perpetuates itself. And uh, it's kind of the the real theme of the movie. It's about shifting power. Yeah. Like how you know, in any given situation, it just it can just be flipped on you, and you'll have no control over it. It's a very dynamic sort of a power structure. You know, nobody can have control over the other, and it's not really a, a checks and balance. It's just the the nature of you know how things roll, right? Um, just very very interesting in that regard, especially since the cop seems to be really in control of his own destiny. But as he kind of delves into that sort of you know the, the depths, you know he's increasingly more and more out of his element. I mean, out of all the characters, he seems to be affected the worst out of everyone. Yes, you know, shit, one, shit runs downhill. But like I think mm-hmm. you just had said, though, that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, one of them's going to be able to keep their nose clean. The other one, what happens to him was going to happen sooner or later. But to the cop, you know, he he's not really a victim in the movie because he chooses, you know, his destiny. You know, all these choices that he makes, they're very deliberate choices, even though in his mind he didn't have a choice. You know, this is the only way to keep his head above water. Right. And the, that's the one thing I really liked about his character progression because he's just – too cool for school the entire movie he's not you know one liner cool but he's very composed he's kind of stoic but as shit gets more and more real he starts to really unravel at the seams mm-hmm. making worse and worse decisions there's a part where he's in that uh, phone booth and he's just ripping the pages apart and we just we don't really see something like that from him throughout the entire movie right I think that uh, you know the way they establish his character is like nothing he does nothing wrong and then, you know, when things start going wrong for him, you know, he loses his shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like kind of like that. I mean, he, he does some things very sloppy. There's a scene where he does something that's very, very sloppy. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, very sloppy. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I want to get back to the garbage dump scene because I love that scene. That's fucking great. Just, uh, just the setting itself. And it, it should be said that the cityscape plays a very, very large role in the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it mirrors where the characters are. I mean, there's a reason why the when the cop and the um, uh, the gangster meet and, you know, they get in that little judo tussle. It's underneath a bridge. Uh, obviously, the gangster's in the garbage dump. When the, you know, the, the, the cop and the prosecutor are together, they're on, like, a little, like, uh, I, I don't know, but you can see a bunch of skyscrapers in the background. It's almost like a, like a patio sort of thing. I don't know what you'd call it. But... Um, it definitely the the society the modern world looms large over these characters. Yes, almost like this monolith. Yeah, and it it I mean it should be I mean that's pretty much the the theme of it. You know these characters. You know the the blood and the the desperation. I mean that's what uh, greases the wheels, so to speak. At least that's what the movie's trying to say of you know how modern society keeps rolling because there aren't any huge, long-lasting repercussions in the movie. By the end of the movie, life just goes on. But, you know, in, in its wake, you know, a lot of people are adversely affected. But, uh, you know, it keeps rolling. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. kind of a, you know, it's not really a political statement. It's just kind of a ruse wanting to um, hold up a mirror and say, you know, this is, you know, this is how it has to be right now. Right. Uh, let's see here. I'm trying to... Gather my thoughts. All, all this monster is kind of jumbled in my brain. I can't even. <laughs> I'm trying to focus. <laughs> um, but yeah, just the, the shifting power. You know, no matter who you are, 
you know, you can be put into, into a bad situation. And uh, the cop, you know, since he isn't really in this world of wheeling and dealing and trying to screw over people, you know, he's done things the way, you know, things are quote unquote supposed to be done. And so when he's put into that situation, he's just, he's, he's ill prepared for it. Um, there's a great uh, moment near the end that, that Yuri kind of clued me into uh, where the, the cop and the prosecutor, they're meeting in one of those little restaurant meeting rooms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the prosecutors basically got him over the barrel, so to speak. And um, he, he pours him like a big glass of liquor, strong, strong liquor, and he just drinks it in one big swig. Like he just downs it quick. And it's, it's apparently... When a superior or someone you respect offers you a drink, you drink it all, like no matter what. And but unless when it comes to liquor, you're just supposed to sip on it. And he didn't really know the the distinction of you know how you know you're supposed to treat a superior when you're dealing with someone as high up uh, politically as a head prosecutor. And so he just downs the whole thing, and the prosecutor just kind of looks at him like a like a little peon. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, just a cool little moment. Um, I like. I really like some of the editing in the movie. You know, just just really little moments, like when um, when the the scene with the uh, the uh, crustache guy in the prison cell. You know, someone's busting through a door, and it just cuts each time he pushes through a door. Just little moments like that kind of get my cinematic juices flowing. I like that you call him crustache. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I like to refer to him as. <laughs> Oh, um, nice. <laughs> there's a nice little like uh, like little visual uh, kind of uh, symbolism going on where he's he's talk the cops talking to the gangster and he's trying to like walk between this hallway but his hey uh, sorry you guys keep talking for once like, I just got to deal with something hang on once I keep talking Jim. okay uh, where basically he's 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 talking to the gangster and he's trying to work things out and he's trying to walk down this hallway and his lower police officers are kind of flanking him on each side yeah. Just little moments like that, you know. It's it doesn't make a huge impression, but the the kind of um, the uh, I don't even know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> how how it kind of stacks on each other. Those little stylistic moments really makes to a greater whole for me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I, it, it was it was just one of those movies that uh, I really enjoyed. There's nothing about it that's particularly great. It's just. The, the sum of all the parts really kind of uh, made it a really kind of fun viewing experience for me. It really, really uh, hit the good spots, so to speak. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. I didn't have uh, too many issues with it at all. I mean, well, I mean, I had some, but just mostly length issues, which is typically the issue I always have with Korean cinema. Mm-hmm. I just feel yeah, like I don't know if it's just something that they have to, like, you know, get their money's worth. I don't know if that's the, the, the thinking behind it or, yeah. or what. It might be. I mean, it might be a cultural thing. I mean, to them, two hours might just be a standard film. And, you mm-hmm. know, everything needs to be at least two hours. Yeah, yeah. Or you think about and it I, nowadays, blockbusters here in the States, almost every one of them are two hours and 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. If you've got a temple franchise, it's got to be two hours plus for some damn reason. I have no, I have no idea why. Yeah. And I, honestly, I, I don't hold it you know, against anybody for not liking the movie. I, I, as I've you know, kind of you know, gotten older and I'm watching a lot of these movies, especially with certain movies like uh, Scott Pilgrim last year, uh, this year with Attack the Block. Like, there's just something that when you're watching something and you just hate, yeah. you know, and it just bothers you, uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. it, 
there's really no kind of way to put your finger on it because with some people, you know, they might understand what you're saying, but it just doesn't affect them. You right. know, a lot of people are like, yeah, Scott Pilgrim's an asshole, but it's not that big a deal. You know, it's almost beside the point, right. you know, in terms of uh, the, 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 the merits of the film. Right. Yeah, like some people, I think if you can get past that, like you like the film more. Like for me, I couldn't get past the fact that I didn't like Scott Pilgrim. So, mm-hmm. like, yeah, get bothered. You know, it's not like I've never not liked a character in a film, but I just for some strange reason I couldn't get past that with him. Right, so, right. Who knows and I think why. that's one of those things with this movie. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that bothered Will that you know, even if you point out, I'd say yeah, but it's just it's it's almost beside the point to me. You know, not because it's either right or wrong. It just didn't affect me in any appreciable way and normally we'd uh, let will do his mbts and stuff but i guess we'll go ahead and do it uh, <laughs> while he's away and when he yeah. comes back he can do his um my make or break for this film uh i want to go with the reveal moment because i like the way it's handled mm. and okay. uh that's the main reveal the big one and okay. uh, yeah because there's several reveals but i the one i like the most is the one involving our lead you know and he just sits down it's like fuck <laughs> right you know <laughs> he opens like, up that little envelope and it's just like oh, and yeah. i like i like the golf course scene uh, I, I didn't think I, that was like my second pick for make or break because i liked it i, I like oh, the fact that the guy kind of slipped and stuff because <laughs> um, i just i just like the way that the, you know the prosecutor character i just like the way he looked at him like you know, you know all these people i'm dealing with idiots i, I just felt like you know he was very pompous and he thought everybody was an idiot so Right. It's like a great moment for him to just look and say, God, these fucking people, you know? <laughs> right. Uh, my MVT, I'm going to go with the, the lead actor. What was that? I can't remember what his name was. Uh, Huang Jungmin. Yeah, there you go. I, yeah. I liked him. Uh, he had a nice stoic face. He didn't show a lot of emotion. When he did, it worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a very nice uh, nice look to him. Not uh, He's not like a uh, matinee movie star looking, good looking. Oh, no. But at the same time, he's got a nice character face. And every time he's on screen, I was kind of drawn to him. So I kind of mm-hmm. dug the way he looked and the way he kind of carried himself and stuff. Uh, my score for the film 7 out of 10. I enjoyed it. Nice. thought it was good, awesome. man. Awesome. Uh, I guess I'll go into my stuff. Um, make or break. Uh, for me, it was the trash side scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's based, in that scene, the gangster is trying to con- convince this guy to be the patsy. And, you know, it just, it just set the tone for the entire movie. It, Really, really sucked me in when he tossed the the wallet into the the garbage pit. It was just like, oh god. <laughs> and and then like directly after that, you know, speaking back to the part where uh, the the funeral scenes intercut with the ceremony. During the scene, he um, when he's really trying to lay out, you know, why he should why the guy should be the patsy. Intercut that with him, you know, being arrested. And as he's trying to, you know, slowly kind of realizing that he's in way way over his head. Just a great little uh, cinematic moment. Right, right. And I love Yu Hei Jin in this movie. I think he's a great character actor in and of himself. He hasn't really gotten a lot of good roles, mm-hmm. but I, I think he's fantastic. Nice. Back. All right. Did you give your. Sh- uh, yeah, I was say. Go ahead, Jake. Oh, okay. Uh, MVT, uh, Ru Sung Wan, um, b- because it uh, hit so well for me. Um, I It seemed like uh, he held it all together fairly well. Um, especially with how confusing it could have been. It should be said, it, it was written by the guy who did I Saw the Devil, but much like you know, a lot of major productions, a lot of rewrites, and even a rewrite by the director himself. That also happened with I Saw the Devil. You know, too many uh, cooks in the kitchen, so to speak. Spoiled that breath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, especially when you're dealing with that many characters and 
the, the gangsters are introduced as CEOs. You know, it, it, it gets it definitely gets confusing. Yes, but ultimately it makes sense. So subsequent viewings, it, it gets a you know, it, it's no longer that much of a big deal. And this is, <laughs> I can't wait to juxtapose this with Will's score. But um, I'm giving a I give it a nine out of ten. Nice. Like it's it's yeah I know. It's one of those things where even when I was thinking about, it, even before you know, I, I talked about it with you guys, I was thinking about last night, like why I like it so much. And the only way I could compare it is that it's just a like a plain cheeseburger in a way. Like not that it's boring, but it's just there's nothing, anything in particular in the movie that really towers above anything else. It's just sometimes when you have a cheeseburger at the right time, it's the most delicious thing in the entire world. Oh, Whether it be just a long day or you've had a bunch of shit food or you just haven't had one in a long time. Or just like a ham sandwich or whatever. Ham That's a good analogy, though. I mean, I can understand where you're coming from. Some, some cinema just hits me that way. I'll say that that, that happened with me with uh, Battle of Los Angeles, a movie that's not very good. Mm. But I got into it. Yeah, now, it this, this is the way that I felt about this movie is very similar to how I felt about The Departed. You know, it's just one of those movies where I can't really pinpoint why I enjoy it so much just as I was enjoying it I was just I was just in it and right. uh, I, I know I uh, compared to uh, the film group at large I definitely uh, overvalue the departed but that's just kind of uh, how I felt when I was watching the movie yeah it's just one of those it's just one of those things I don't know I have problems so, uh, yeah. my, my biggest problems with the departed is also it's too long <laughs> oh yeah it's way too long yeah Jack uh, going a little too insane yeah that this isn't reality television line just blew my mind. I just found a uh, film with uh, Wings Hauser playing a good guy and Robert Zadar playing a bad guy. And uh, hmm. I'm in love. That's <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. All right, uh, Large William, your MVT, make or breaks. Um, let's see here. Make or break. What broke it for me? Not to say the film fails, it doesn't. But what kept the film from really being elevated? The main thing was some of the comedy and the overly polished um, sort of and the conventional stuff that, that the decisions that were made. I think, and again, I, I have to think it was more studio because I do think that we're dealing with certainly a talented director. Uh, MVT, I'm going to go with Huang Jung uh, Min. I thought he was excellent in the film. Very stoic. Um, not very likable at times, yet he still garnered our sympathy. Maybe it's a lesser of too many evils, but um, I thought he was very good in the film. And, and to me, he'd always been kind of a side note, or not side note, but kind of off in the background and wasn't really someone I thought had the chops to carry a film. And, and he did a very competent job of carrying this film, a very, very good performance. And everyone in the film's pretty good. So uh, my score for the film is a 6.5 out of 10. Um, definitely not a bad film, man. It's a, it's, it's a good film. I just, I think my my anger and bitterness with some of the, the what I perceive for me what hits my sweet spot cinematically is being squandered by the filmmaker and also by the way that a lot of directors are being handcuffed uh, create creatively um, by the way the Korean film industry is run right now and I think it's no coincidence that Bong Joon-ho Kim Ji-woon and Park Chan-wook are all making their English film debuts this year Mm-hmm. And yeah. the sort of commentary on on where Korean cinema is at. So, yeah, they see the writing on the wall. Yeah. The, oh, the, and that's yeah, that's it. Sorry. Did just, you say six point five? Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, mine was a seven, yeah. and Jake was. Yeah, a it's nine. not that bad. Okay. Pretty good. Uh, what do we do? What did you think I was going to give it, Jake? Like a four or something? <laughs> I was thinking like a five range-ish. Oh yeah. 
But I mean, you, you definitely had a, a lot of uh, good things to say about the film. It was just more, you know, what it could have been because it, you know, this kind of film, you know, could have been a lot more smart, a lot more uh, mature, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but it should be said, his next movie should be pretty interesting. It's called uh, Berlin, and it's going to be kind of uh, uh, spyish, and it's going to have his brother. Uh, a very popular actor from the '90s, and uh, the the bad guy lead from the Chaser. Oh, that's going to be his next movie. So that should be that, that's definitely worth something to look, to, uh, look out for. Very nice. Nice. Yeah. All right. So normally we go into feedback, but again, we're saving that for our feedback show, which we should probably do that like the show after the next or something. Yeah, we'll start off the new year with maybe a feedback show. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And um, so you want to get into our pleasantries? We'll shut this puppy down. Yeah, man. Uh, check out. Our very good friend Jake and Jake where can people find you uh, they can find me at podcast without honor and humanity uh, if you have a cool web browser you only have to type in a couple of those letters and the whole thing will come up nice so uh, don't be discouraged by the long <laughs> title nice okay and Facebook uh, just uh, just search out uh, podcast without honor and humanity the, the group should pop up in the little search bar okay excellent and um Besides our good friend Jake, check out our sister shows, of course. Uh, Sylvan Gold, Shocho OTC, all of our friends from Palaver.com. Check out Hamicus, Cine Awesome, Paleo Cinema, Meredith Clickers, Action Attraction, Better in the Dark, V Cinema, uh, pod, excuse me, Criterion Cast, The Projection Booth, and, and Trails from the Skeleton Closet, who just, their newest episode is um, pretty fun. It's They Call Me Bruce and Class of 1984. So, mm-hmm. good stuff. Uh, check out our favorite NYC couple. Get a subscription to Paracinema at paracinema.net, nightmaretheater.blip.tv, weareyoungmonster.com, and teleport-city.com. These are all .blogspot.com, as Steve Sander goes by on his motorbike outside someone's house. Um, the GGTMC, <laughs> Rupert Pupkin Speaks, Deadly Doll's House, Chuck Norris at My Baby, Fist of Beelis, Playground of Doom, Scared Shiftless and Shasta, Moon in the Gutter, Wax Mask, and we have deathrattle.net, lightningbugslayer.com. And cinemasatory.wordpress.com. I'm going to forewarn everyone. I'm going to go through and see which of you are still podcasting and blogging, and those of you that aren't. And I don't want to say warn. That sounds harsh. And if you're not uh, regularly uh, churning out content, I think I'm going to respectfully nix you off that roll call. And if you decide you're going to um, be putting out stuff again regularly, then I'll add you back because otherwise people are just going to right. put on updated stuff. Um, Check out Diabolic DVD, uh, cinema-de-bizarre, all your hard-to-find genre needs, promo code GENTLEMEN for 10% off your orders, omg-entertainment.com, uh, uh, promo code GGTMC10 for 10% off your orders, and of course the Mighty Camera Obscura, and just a friendly reminder, get your fucking Kringle gifts out if they haven't gotten out already, so everyone can get them in time for Christmas, uh, and then check us out on Facebook, uh, check us out on Twitter, which is twitter.com backslash ggtmc, large william, pickleloaf10, uncool cat. Uh, it's death rattle ad, I think, for Aaron, um, Bob Freelander, and Jake. Yours is? Uh, it's just uh, at Jake McGlarch, huge. Yes, and that's MC. Yes. The Irish, not the Scottish. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, um, uh, iTunes reviews, and of course, the donate button, should you wish to donate, if there is one on our website. And what are you covering next week, my friend? Um, what are we covering that you're picking? I should yeah. say. 
Well, I guess I'll, I, I couldn't come up with anything really off the uh, the old list and stuff, so I'm going to just go with one that uh, we both want to talk about because we both recently purchased the blue, and we've talked about we haven't covered a film from him in a long time. So, oh my god, this is going to be so amazing. So uh, we're going to uh, we'll do Jackie Brown on my side. Yes, <laughs> yes. Awesome. Well, we're going to stick with um, uh, foxy ladies of a, of a certain hue with my pick. Although we're going to take a trip around the world and back in time, maybe a decade. And we're going to head back to Indonesia. And uh, we're going to get into some Lady Terminator action. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, wow. So, so your, your Christmas episode is going to be a little Tarantino, a little Indonesia. And that's our Christmas gift to everyone. Sweet. Nice. an awesome fucking episode. That's going to be fun. Oh, God. All right. So that is our coverage. I want to thank you again, Jake, for coming on. We thank, appreciate thank it. you guys. Uh, best time I've had at five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yes, yes. That says more about my social life than anything else. But <laughs> yeah, great time. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Thank nice. you as always, Jake. Uh, you know, whenever you want to get on, uh, please let us know. And, and if you're ever doing anything you want us to promote uh, on your end, we're happy to do so for you because you are a very dear friend of ours and yes. a dear friend of the show. Yes, yes, indeed. So, with all that being said, we got one last thing to say, and that is adios, adios. Adios. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. You can call the gentleman at 206-666-5207. And you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com.